Hey, everybody. It is June 22nd, Wednesday of 2022. That's a bad way to put those specific numbers in an order. Uh, and that is the start of a cavalcade of awful mistakes that is going to be made because Nick is not here today. I can't me. wait to make a mess in someone else's house. <laughs> uh, I am Quinn, your host, and I am joined by the excellent, the effervescent, the always fantastic Austin Yorsky. I'm here. It's a lot to live up to. I'm really excited about making a mess. I'm just going to Tasmanian devil through Nick's stuff. I'm going to just get just food everywhere, leaving rappers behind, just completely trash uh, his entire scene. And I'll come back like the Donald Glover pizza gif and uh, I'll have done my job. Yeah. Now, there is an important thing to note. I, I believe you listened to last week's episode. So you know that you do have a particular amount of power in this episode. I do, yes. So there's a couple of responsibilities that have dropped into my lap yes. uh, about the future of this show, which is very exciting. Although there have also been a number of constraints. I was told I'm not allowed to talk about My Hero Academia, <laughs> Academia because, quote, I'll get too horny about <laughs> some of it. I just I was like, look, he's going to be ridiculous. He's all over the place. I think the battle is taking place in Florida. He's just going to start talking about Epcot Center, and it's just the whole thing all over again. You're trying to keep the Jiro lovers apart, and yeah. we we will conquer. We will win. Are, in the are end. you a big Jiro fan? I mean, I'm not so much for waifu culture, but if if I had to, no, not, neither is Nick. To be clear, I I, I believe his relationship with Jiro is a hundred percent parental. He he, he looks mm. upon her as a child. Uh, no, I, I can't co-sign to... that. Uh, you don't see that. <laughs> you have no. one child in your life, and that is your cat, who's the best cat in the world. And yeah, anyone who disagrees is wrong. Yeah, I don't know. I, I'm not. I don't, I'm too old. I'm crusty. I'm not getting a horny for comic book characters anymore. But I was a high schooler once, and uh, any any kind of rocker chick is is you know it lights something in my heart, and I have to be honest about that. Were you like a like? Did you were you big into like Avril Lavigne and stuff like that? <laughs> no, I wasn't an Avril Lavigne. I was into like a Lamb of God, Slipknot, uh, Deftones. I was like a you know metal mostly. And that's what you were horny into. The gir- I was horny for girls who were into metal, oh, yeah. Oh, okay. I brought up Avril Lavigne as like a specific female musician, and then you mentioned like a bunch of 50-year-old bald dudes with beard, <laughs> and I was like, all right, Alston's type's different from what I remember, but I'm no. for him. Avril Lavigne, I mean, it's not, I don't have anything against her, but that we would have been like, oh, that's like bubblegum punk, you know, that's not like that real hard that shit. real for you. You're like, I'm too tough for this. Yeah. I mean, yeah, there were there should have been more female bands in that space. I think Paramore, the lady from Paramore is like the Haley one that comes Williams, to... I believe. Yeah. I mean, Evanescence obviously was a little before the time I'm thinking of, but, you know, in that vein. But mostly like I think of, uh, you know, Tutu the girls. Or to- no, Tutu or <laughs> Tattoo? Was that it? Tattoo is the Russian lesbian uh, pop band. Yeah, that's a look. I only know them. <laughs> As everything comes back to wrestling, they did the theme song for a wrestler. That's so it's so funny to think of them in the same conversation as like Avril Lavigne. <laughs> they're a completely manufactured, like propagandistic like band. Uh, eventually, they got in trouble because they revealed they weren't actually lesbians. And Wait, one of them was homo- one of them was homophobic. In fact, oh, it was a no. whole thing. I don't like this at all. Can I um, rewind time to five minutes ago before you? Rip something away from me that can never be returned. I feel like I end up talking about tattoo every couple years for some reason. I don't know why. Um, I was just gonna say all all the girls like Jiro went to school with. They were into My Chemical Romance, Fallout Boy, 
and uh, fuck, there's a third band in that trio, Panic at the Disco. Oh, so, okay. Who I think are all still around in some capacity. I think their lineups uh, have changed, but Paramore's still around. I think they just lost uh, one of the band members. Um, because I know because I have some of their songs recently. I recently Ooh. three years ago. Uh, Panic at the Disco came back, and what was the third one? Evanescence. <laughs> no, of, like, of, of those, uh, My Chemical Romance. My Chemical Ro- uh, yeah, they just came back, right? They just came back. Okay. Yeah, Laura, Kate Dale, our mutual friend, was at the concert. Um, so, oh, also, uh, Yeah, Yeah, Yeahs also are back. They have a new song, and that's oh. another in, in that space. Anyway, do you want to do a music podcast? Forget <laughs> about all these little doodles and drawings. You don't want to do a music podcast with me because it'll make you sad very quickly when you're like, I'm sorry, how much garbage do you listen to? <laughs> and we're like, oh, God, Phil Collins corner again. Here we go. <laughs> I'm just saying, have we all really fully respected his early to mid Genesis catalog into his late catalog solo career. It's, I mean, it's the entire thing. I'm just excluding the Tarzan soundtrack because Gen Z found a hold of it. And now it's, it's overblown to too, too many people like that. Now <laughs> that gets its own episode in our music podcast. The, the Tarzan soundtrack. It, it really is good. Uh, look, this episode is going to be off the rails as it is already. Uh, primarily because I do not have the organizational structural skills that Nick does, and Austin is a chaos monster (laughs) 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 engineered for for absolute anarchy. Uh, So as Austin alluded to, there are a couple series we're not going to talk about. I'm going to save them for when uh, Nick comes back. Uh, My Hero, uh, Eden, Elusive Samurai, Samurai, and Bruto. Boruto. And then there is no Eden Zero to talk about this week. There is currently a licensing issue going on with that. I think I heard we're supposed to get a chapter next week. Um, and this chapter should come up at time as well. So stay tuned for that. What kind of licensing issues could there be? No one owns the trademark for butts. <laughs> well, that's, that's what I was saying. If you want to experience Eden Zero this week, just uh, imagine a picture of a butt. Uh, or just look at a picture of a butt and then just imagine something really stupid happening. And you pretty much captured the entire uh, essence of an Eden Zero chapter at that point. You can't copyright that. <laughs> None of that is – all that's public domain. <laughs> Titties are out there. Everyone has an ownership of them. <sighs> that could be an interesting philosophical debate. Could you- yeah. <laughs> the first day of my property law class, uh, we went to, when I went to law school. We sat down and the, t- the professor just asked everyone like first thing, like no preamble. She said, who owns the moon? <laughs> and that was the first day of property class is us just talking about the philosophical question of who owns the moon, uh, which is actually fascinating. You should say, oh, they're the. Yeah. Well, the question is like, oh, there are treaties about who owns space, but how do you enforce them? Like, what if Luxembourg gets up onto the moon and starts like, you know, mining it? If we go like, oh, these are treaties. Like, what are we going to do? Arrest them? They're on the moon. Uh, it's really fascinating. And then you you get to the basically you end up realizing property is an illusion. It's just an agreed upon hallucination. Huh. This is pretty big. <laughs> I had someone try to mind fuck me the other day because they were like, yeah, dude, when you're up really high, time flows differently. So like time is a meaningless metric. And I was like, stop it. I don't I don't want this to continue because it's either going to end up me angry or me being so like mind shattered that I can't process anything. I'm just like, oh, I'm just spitting on the ground like it's it doesn't make sense anymore. Yeah, a, a lot of things are uh, just uh, socially agreed upon. It doesn't mean they're not real. Time does exist in a sense, but it's also 
fake. It, it really is fake. Whoa. Big, this is big stuff. Speaking on the idea of time being fake and killable, uh, let's talk about Undead Unlock. <laughs> set, set you up perfectly. There we go. Number 115, Don't Leave Me. So we open with Nico, who has basically accepted himself into UMA Ghost. And Andy's just like, what the fuck? He assimilated with them? He doesn't say what the fuck. It'd be kind of dope if he did. <laughs> he just started swearing. He's like, holy cunt burgers. <laughs> yeah, the translator's having a little bit of fun. Someone said normies in one of these chapter. And I was like, yeah, I don't know if that's what the original meaning was, but okay. <laughs> There was, um, I'm reading some comic books recently, and there's a couple characters who, uh, I believe are supposed to be teenagers having a mental conversation with each other, and they kept shooting, like, Zoomer words back and forth at each other. <laughs> like, they were just like, oh, this is too, like, uh, I know they used the word cringe and something else in there, and I was just like, I don't like this. I know, I know that this was written by, like, a 40-year-old man. Like, <laughs> I don't like any part of this. I really hope we see uh, a, a chapter of One Piece where uh, Luffy calls something chuggy. <laughs> That's one we know. <laughs> We've officially conquered I culture. I thought that was a fake thing. Like, was that not a fake term that someone made up and said that Zoomers are calling millennials chuggy? See, here's the thing. We just wrapped it back around to our time conversation. What's the difference between something being real and being fake? Damn. And there is no difference. All right, guys. Well, we've looped it around. I hope everybody enjoyed Week of <laughs> this week. Yeah. Uh, <sighs> so Andy is just like, holy crap, uh, what's going on? The spheres around him have changed. And suddenly, unavoidable uh, and unchanged are a lot stronger. He's like, holy crap, these guys have gotten a power boost. Uh, but he notes that Chikara has you know, a little sphere in his chest, hasn't glown. So he's like, all right, that one hasn't changed. But the other two have because those two are actually dead. So they get stronger basically now that he's bonded with UMA Ghost. So Nico starts to explain why Union just has a soul army <laughs> essentially sitting in this tank. Uh, and it's to make up for Union's dwindling resources. They've contemplated replicating the powers of those who have fallen in battle. And its development was done here. But they couldn't get the combined intellect of the dolls to function correctly, basically. So, you know, they can be simple minded, kind of like the ones we see with Chakara and uh, Juez. But the other ones are more powerful now because they have a soul. Uh, we cut to a flashback, pseudo flashback. We don't get the black border, but Nico is basically trying to remember a scene that's very important where he's talking to a Chico, where she's just like, hey, look, we've done everything we can, but there's some things beyond the realm of science. Everything kind of needs a soul. And Nico's just like, yeah, you were right. You were always right. And now our research has finally borne fruit. A new rule ghost has made this possible. And Andy's just not doing super well. So he's like, ah, oh, I got to find the weakness in this. And he he shoots some of the pods that are off to the side. And some of the illusions start to become distorted a little bit. Nico grabs his head in pain. He's just like, ah. Oh. And we, we cut back to another scene of, of a chica being like, you know, you've been acting real strange. Like, conducting research on souls? I told you, that's beyond the capabilities of silence. And she's like, is it because I'm unsleep and I don't have much time left? And she's just like... 
you know, science is meant to benefit the living. And Nico just interrupts her like, are are you going to leave me all alone? And she stops and motions to her belly and says, you're not going to be alone. Um, Which is interesting because this entire uh, encounter has happened without really mentioning the fact that Nico has a daughter. (laughs) Uh, We know he does. Uh, but that has been a part that has not really come up too much in this entire interaction. Uh, and Andy gets overwhelmed by all the different things. And he just says, ah, I finally caught you. They may be using abilities based on pseudoscience, uh, but you did well against four negators. But now I have to reap your soul. And Andy just says, I know you're suffering, Nico. Every time this lab gets destroyed, no. Every time your inventions get destroyed, it causes you to suffer bad. This place is packed with a bunch of precious memories. You wouldn't be able to keep yourself together without this place. Because if you weren't surrounded by the memories of your wife, you would end up forgetting her. And he cuts off his arms and he's like, I've already decided everyone's getting a bad ending in this loop except for me. So he just fucking shoots blood cannons and destroys all of Nico's hard work, destroying what little memories he still has of his wife. That's a pretty good ending, uh, like panel there. The art that was really, uh, it's a good framing. I think. Uh, I don't know much about art criticism here. Maybe <laughs> I'm not the best person to talk about this, but I remember practicing practicing perspective when I saw this. I was like, hell yeah, that's a sick way to end the chapter. Yeah, it's very good. It sucks for Nico, although he kind of sucks right now too. So I don't feel as bad as like I did with uh with Rip. But I do like that we're just continuing Andy's run of like. Yeah, I'm going to fuck everyone's day up. I'm sorry. Next loop, it's all going to be fine. I promise you. Everyone's going to be okay next loop at this loop. Sucks to suck. I don't know what to tell you. Yeah, I mean, that's a, that's a pretty classic trope of uh, the, the time loop story is that once you realize like what the stakes are, you're just going to start like speed running it to get efficiency before the final one. It's like the Groundhog's Day where he's just being fucking rude to everyone. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it's a pretty good impl- implementation of that. I don't know how you're feeling about the uh, dead wife guy, which is such a trope now. I've just seen uh, what was the, the Shang-Chi uh, movie uh-huh. as a classic uh, dead wife guy scenario. The villain there. It's like if if your wife dies, you just become a uh, Jokerified <laughs> in in popular culture. Uh, it is definitely a thing. I, I will say I at least appreciate with the way they explain Nico's power of just being literally unable to forget anything, starting with his wife dying to that point. So being unable to capture anything before that, really beyond like you know brief whispers and like that slowly fading as more information piles on top of it. And even then he was a good guy basically until a new rule got added. That was like, Hey, this is a chance to maybe see your wife. And he's like, God damn it. All right, fine. (laughs) I guess I'll go, I'll go sicko mode. I'm just saying as he tried Tinder, just try it. Just see. (laughs) I don't know. Before you commit. He just, he, he, he's, he stabbed a bunch of like fucking nodules in his face. I don't know. Tinder might be rough for him. I, w- I want to see like the aftermath of one of these stories where the bad guy like does his insane plan and gets his wife back. And then it's like they're back at home and he's like, oh, I did. I so much have I suffered. You have no idea what the, the lengths I've gone to for you. And then she's like, uh, can you pick up your laundry off the floor? And she's like, <laughs> you go sick of mode again. No, <laughs> just like once you have to go back to domestic normal life, how do you I don't know how you just like ease back into the routine and not just being like you 
are you going to ask me to visit your parents after what I did? <laughs> like, <laughs> what do you mean you're cold? I should be able to set the thermostat at whatever level I want. <laughs> yeah, it just completely unbalances their relationship. I destroyed and, an ancient <laughs> Asian realm for you. Yeah, it just no one ever talks about that. That's what I want to see. Sorry, it's off topic, but that's what that's, what, that's really what this inspired in me. I should add, uh, as a little side note, there was a, a news piece. I think it was at the end of the chapter that said, uh, in two chapters for Undead Unluck, they are going to be entering the, I believe the, the terminology used is final fight, uh, which some have taken to mean Undead Unluck is going to end very soon. However, other people pointed out that that is the same uh, terminology used for uh, Promised Neverland entering its final chapters. So, And then that ran for like... 17 more chapters so uh, there's a very real possibility this undead unlock probably ends this year uh it might end relatively soon or it might end maybe like the tail end of the year maybe early next year something like that so it is worth noting but it makes sense after the last time loop they really can't go anywhere else so yeah i mean a lot of it seems like the turnover rate in in the magazine is just getting faster and faster everything's accelerating uh i remember when you know people were like oh demon slayer is selling just like better than oh it's over (laughs) it's like it's done it's gone where'd it go and then yeah the fucking chainsaw man was similar i guess they're bringing that back but also it's just like oh it's this is about to break into the mainstream i can't wait to see what oh that's over too yeah uh, it's so. literally about to happen now, as we'll get to uh, the expectation. Mashal has a special announcement in like two chapters or something like that. And the theory right now is that it's going to get an anime. Uh, Mashal is also very clearly in the last arc of its series. So it is going to get an anime like as soon as the series is done. So I'm interested in the business reasons behind that. I know we got to move on to the second thing we're going to talk about, but no, we don't need to. Okay, we uh, control. <laughs> Nick can't stop us. I'm just curious if just like people have so many entertainment options these days that they just have metrics that say people drop off of series faster, and that we just need constant new like premieres rather than trying to do a one piece, like which is like a once in a generation kind of long runner. But we used to get a couple per generation. Um, I think the larger thing right now is authors potentially having a little bit more control over their own work to the sense of they can say like hey i'm gonna end now in undead on luck's case i think it is mostly because the series has sort of peaked and started to slide down in popularity so there's really no reason sort of one of those things like look you can either end yourself or we just cancel you like it's one Mm -hmm. of those two things um, but in series cases like Chainsaw Man uh, and uh, I guess even maybe Black Clover, although not really Black Clover is still running technically. But like with Chainsaw Man, uh, Fujimoto could just be like, yeah, I don't really want to do it all the time. I just kind of want to flow to my own schedule. So it is definitely an oddity when you know you talk about series like Mission Yosakura Family technically being like the fifth longest running series in the magazine. And it's like two and a half years old or something like that. Everything else has just kind of come and gone. But like some series like My Hero are still running at like what 400 chapters something like that. Sure. Yeah, we we can talk about uh industry trends more, but let's move on to the next one. I want to hear more recapping. Yeah, let's talk about cuz as I said there's no Eden Zero and we're saving Boruto for next week. So Nick can enjoy that. Um, <laughs> we're going to talk about Akani Banashi and now this is a series uh that Nick normally recaps. So I will Full apologies 
get every character's name wrong except for Akane herself probably <laughs> I was really dreading this I was like I listen to this show every week and I have not internalized any of these names please God Jesus Lord don't let me have to recap any of this <laughs> Austin I'm gonna pass it to you popcorn no 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 I will make all kinds of butt jokes and I will talk about uh, all kinds of themes and motifs but if I have to remember a single name I will crumble oh okay I thought that was your threat was I'm going to talk about butts and philosophy. I was like, I think the audience probably would love that. It sounds like <laughs> something they'd be all about. I hear uh, that about your audience all the time. Uh, it's partially your audience too, buddy. You can't escape it. I heard you guys talk about butts. Uh, story 18. Shut it. So we open with the guidance counselor who is congratulating Akani being like, good job. You, you made it through the first round basically. And, uh, you know, like, oh, well, you know, be, you know, take a good rest and, and, you know, gather your strength for tomorrow or whatever. Like the, the one older senior dude whose name I've forgotten is like, she sounds like a sports coach, which is mildly amusing because I do just like the idea. She's like, well, I'm the only adult in this room. So I suppose I have to make sure these kids are eating and, and getting like fucking actual nutrition and shit. Um, Akane asks where kagama went and uh he's just told or she's just told uh he left <laughs> he said i don't think it matters if i say anything to you afterwards so i'm going home <laughs> and i relate to that <laughs> i was literally about to say extremely relatable uh, where people were like why why haven't you texted me in months and i was like what difference could a single word from me make who am i <laughs> it's like what do you do shut up <laughs> I was just in the mindset of like, yes, I too like to Irish exit a lot of scenes. <laughs> I'm done with this. Goodbye. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Dudes are rock. Yeah. Um, so uh, Akane is just like, oh, hey, shit. Like, I think I forgot my phone. Oh, actually, no. Before she does that, she basically just talks like, oh, yeah, you know, I think he does care about you in his own way or whatever. But, she, you know, she's just like, oh, yeah, I, I was able to do... Uh, uh, Jugamo because I was doing it since I was a kid. I learned it from my dad, like at four or five years old. He, like at that time, it was just like a time twister or a tongue twister. Time twister would be dope. That's a very expensive magic card. Very, very expensive. <laughs> Austin, what does time twister do for the audience? I want, right. I want to start a running counter and number of times Magic the Gathering comes up on this episode. All right. So it's a blue card from very early in the game. It basically resets the game state. You shuffle your hand and graveyard into your library. Everyone does. And you draw seven cards, which is your opening hand. So it's like you're going back to the beginning. That's time twister. Let's, look, oh, let's do a quick googly roo. See how much one would cost if you wanted to buy it. I'll uh, say 10000 uh let's see the uh 5500 that's a steal then <laughs> that's a steal based on the metric you made up <laughs> is that a reserve list card oh yeah, yeah definitely which is why it's so expensive because they're not going to reprint it uh, so we get a shot of akane walking with her dad it's very very sweet and of course, the guy in counselor is like, cool. Then when he comes tomorrow and Akane very quickly is just like, oh, no, he won't be there. He's he's off in Tokyo right now doing a work assignment. And it's always very interesting to see these small nuggets of Akane's relationship with her dad as we haven't seen them interact at all since the first chapter. And it's very interesting to kind of parse together exactly how her dad feels about her doing Rakugo and what her relationship with him is like. It's I don't know, it's very fascinating to me. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's an interesting choice because I feel like a lot of shonen stories would make it more explicit or, you know, more, you know, there's a running thing. Every shonen dad is t- terrible. Like it's like the worst dad awards. Uh, but like the, right now, I think there's genuine mystery about like their relationship. What I do find like uh, compelling and I want to learn more. Absolutely. Uh, so Akane is like, oh, shit, I left my fan. So she's like, I gotta, I gotta run back. And uh, we leave with the uh, the guidance counselor and the older sensei who's, you know, the counselor counselor is like, you know, if she wins, uh, she gets a chance to sit down with uh, Arakawa. And that's going to be a huge benefit to her successes of Rakuga and Rakugoka. And the sensei's like, hey, I probably shouldn't tell you this, but it's not right if you're the only one who doesn't know. So he goes on to explain that the only reason we don't see it, but he's going to explain that the only reason Akane is doing this is to basically confront <laughs> uh arakawa to be like why didn't you fucking pass my dad you dumb piece of shit so uh the guidance counselor now now everybody is in on the loop um akane gets back finds her fan time to get going but you hear someone screaming and a a very distinct accent oh shut it i told you i was gonna win this tournament (laughs) today and tomorrow uh yes rock ago that's why i gotta focus you got that from the text? I mean, it's definitely an accent, uh, but <laughs> I'm trying to, I was trying to get it in my head because I don't know Japanese accents. Who, like, what is, to me, what is a Kansai region accent, you know? So Isn't we, it always supposed to be, like, um, it's not like that. That was just me trying to channel, like, Larry the Cable Guy, I guess. <laughs> it's funny you went there because I that's exactly where I was going to go where she's like I have to hide my accent I have to be a city girl to make it in this industry and I was like aren't regional acts usually like a particular draw like the blue collar comedy tour was the biggest thing when I was growing up I don't know if it's different in Japan well, you also lived in Florida where it made sense sure <laughs> you know what <laughs> walked right into that one <laughs> I don't know I just I just think of that unless Japan is very different I feel like city people uh have this uh there's like an element of exoticism where if you have like a weird accent they might like I like you more for Americans or foreigners or things like that I think in Japan it's just seen as and I don't know this for certain I, I I've only parsed what I've learned from basically media about Japan and things like that but as she even sort of explains it a little bit, I, I think there's just a level of embarrassment that sometimes goes along with it. Not embarrassment, but like judginess, especially when she is trying to carry herself as this sophisticated, uh, you know, metropolitan figure who is trying to get into like very big roles of like classical acting and things like that. So I imagine if you had son of somewhat of like a country twang, it would come off as a detriment if people perceived you that way. Yeah. I hope they get more into this. I, I do think this is an interesting concept and I, I want the manga to tell me the white person, <laughs> the American, if I'm a fucking idiot and don't know what I'm talking about, or if maybe she is actually doing, you know, something that she probably shouldn't do. Maybe people would like her more. Uh, if, Cause if you're hiding, you know who you are from people i feel like if people can sense that like you're being deceptive or evasive and there's even that moment where like you know you'll get to in a second where she her, her personality kind of changes and it's like that's what that's what lying does to your soul it makes yeah. you into a villain oh no she does have her eyes closed when she says it she's mm-hmm. she's basically gin from bleach and every other bad character who never opens their eyes brock from pokemon the uh, worst. Yeah. <laughs> the most evil character in fiction, Brock from Pokemon. Yep, he's a bad guy. Uh Akane has walked in as uh I believe Hikaru is her name. 
uh, is talking and eventually realizes Akane is looking at her. And she's like, oh, shit. And she immediately shifts into a more, like, formal tone. Like, I, I think that's your fault, mother. And she's like, <laughs> what the fuck? I thought, I thought this place was empty before I started this call. Code switching. Yeah. Fascinating concept. Uh, she's like, fuck, did she hear my accent? I can't. I gotta, I gotta, I gotta, gotta calm down. Gotta act like nothing's wrong. And she's like, oh, did you, did you need something? And Akane is super excited. She's like, oh, I've never heard anyone talk that fast. Sounds so cool. Where's that dialect from? You're so awesome. And immediately, you know, uh, Hikaru's just like, oh, well, I'm from, uh, oh, God, Nick, why aren't you here to pronounce the Japanese word? (laughs) Fukuoka? Yeah, Fukuoka. That's what Uh, it looks like to me. Sure, yeah. Uh, And Akane's just like, oh, I think your dialect sounds really cute. And uh, Hikaru's just like, in her mind, thinking like, shut up. I'm trying to pass the city girl, right? And Akane is just like, oh, yeah, you're a voice actor, too, right? And you do Rakugo? Oh, you're so awesome. And Akane's like, oh, well, you're pretty special, too. And she's like, oh, no, I'm not. My dad was just a Rakugoka. That's all. And she's like, oh, he taught you Rakugo? Like, no, I just kind of watched him and pick it up. I didn't actually get lessons until I went to my dad's master. And actually kind of begged him to get into this event. So I got to do Rakugo tomorrow that won't put my master's name to shame. And... She's like, oh, hey, shit, I, I interrupted your phone call. I got I to get going anyway. So she she heads out. And uh, Hikaru's just like, she's young, pretty, talented, highly regarded by Arakawa, and a second-generation Rakugo high schooler who studies under professional. No wonder she thinks she can win with Jugemu. She knows she has the advantage. Interesting. Makes me feel so freaking pissed off. <laughs> and you have to imagine that switching back into the other accent because freaking doesn't yeah. <laughs> it's not so freaking yeah. uh it makes me I, I find my mind in an addd sense uh drifting back to when i watched elysium a series that coded the class struggle of people between uh people with regular voices and then everyone in the fancy elysium place who talked in french accents and i was like yep you got it this is uh, this is true art yeah the, it's the matt damon movie yes yeah that that was really weird they also had um like the uh the Matt Damon is like the white only white person in like uh, LA basically it's like all Hispanic people except for the villain who is South African uh, a lot of a lot of uh, racial stuff to unpack in that particular film and my favorite thing uh the one of the best climaxes in film history when to save the day Matt Damon gets on a computer and he changes all of everyone <laughs> he finds all replaces everyone from like slave to free and then when he hits confirm it just fixes society <laughs> it's all fixed now they did it um, it's, it makes me so mad that Joe Biden won't do that. He has the big computer. He just has to find just, it in her place. He just has to hit enter. <laughs> it's already set up. You just got to hit enter, my man. Uh, so uh, Akane is leaving. She passes by a student who's kind of crying because they're, you know, they lost and they're very sad about this. And uh, God, what's his stupid fucking name? <laughs> jerk face a jerk uh-huh. face shows up and he's just like yeah it really makes you feel like a student event doesn't it and uh akane is just like ah i didn't why do you show up out of nowhere all the time and he's just like oh you know it, it's just coincidence by the way your jugemu was great you did it as a trick as a setup for later right 
And she's like, well, how did you? And he's like, yeah, I just, I was guessing. So thanks for confirming it. On the other hand, if that was you trying your hardest, and I, I think I'd lose all interest in you like that. And uh, Connie's just like, oh no, if I would not complain if you did, not at all. Like if that was the best I could do was just doing it really, really fast, then who gives a shit, really? <laughs> Which is a great deflection to that burn. Yeah. Like it's like an incredible sniper shot, and she just casually deflects it. <laughs> uh, so Jerkface is just like, yeah, I guess you're really up against the wall, and you did say that you would catch up to my level fast, so. That's all you intend to do, then you just can't win this event. You've got to blow away my master. And he just kind of leaves by being like, looking forward to seeing you tomorrow. Easier said than done, Akane. Let's see if you can actually tear master's mask off. And we get sort of a collage of different people, Akane thinking about them and their their words and things like that. Akaru saying, I have to win. Jerkface being like, you can't just win this tournament. All these sorts of things. And Akane just walks by a poster of Master Arakawa saying, I'll win tomorrow. I have to win or I won't have gained anything. And we close the chapter. It is presumably the next day uh, because Master Arakawa is there. And he's like, oh, this is quite the gathering we have here. So the final round is about to begin. Akane stays winning. Most relatable character in Shonen Jump. Still a great series. What are we, 17 chapters in? 18 18, chapters? 18 chapters in. No misses. (laughs) Hit after hit after hit. (laughs) Bangers and slappers all the way down. (laughs) Bangers and slappers has to be a name of a meal at Denny's. <laughs> like I'm trying to like so, that, so an article must have come out that was like Gen Z is killing uh Denny's and Denny's was like, What's how do we appeal to them? So we're still just Gen Z slang all the way down. If you order a bangers and slappers, you have to sign a waiver though. <laughs> it's gonna be too intense. Yeah, their insurance company wouldn't clear it otherwise. Uh, all right. Good stuff. All right, Nick, or sorry, Austin. I can't believe you. How could you have done this to me? Because I both love you so much. And uh, I just thought of that love and I mixed the name up. It's like a parent getting the names of all their kids in a row. Good save. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, I'm going to do my own jigamoo because uh, we're going to be talking about Aliens Area, number three, section five, Foreign Affairs Division, Public Safety Bureau, Police Department by Fusei Nava. Don't usually oh have to gosh, say the bye, that was but fast. it was a long, it was a long title for a dumb chapter. Um, so we uh, introduce, we we open with main character whose name I don't remember, and maybe I'll have to. All right, we're gonna find out at the end of this who is introducing his two, his one normal sibling and one hideous abomination of a sibling to their new <laughs> condo home. And it's got all this cool new stuff. It's got a stove with three burners. It's a lot of very small details that go to sh- like kind of reemphasize exactly the level of like squalor they were living in previously. Where he's like, holy shit, three burners on a stove? Like, this is crazy. I have room to wash dishes and cook at the same time. Like... Yeah, man, I've been there too. <laughs> also, I I know I wasn't here last week, but the, when he gets fired from the ramen place and then he gets offered a like a government job and then he's like living in squalor, how do you not like just accept that on the basic money thing? I feel like like he had to be taken on a mission. I don't know that that broke my suspension of disbelief. I'll say I feel like he would have taken a job scrubbing floors in the department. Potentially, uh, I I know I would have, but you know what are you gonna do? 
uh he's like wow this is crazy this his siblings even note like oh it's because you lost you, you got a new job right the old place had a gas explosion and this is company housing for his new job so our main character's like yeah cool like the mind wipe work they don't remember anything that happened they they just were told that his hand is injured and that's it uh and his youngest sibling's like good thing our house exploded <laughs> <laughs> and uh our main character has to be like no no it's not <laughs> so uh God, I feel like they have to say a stupid fucking name somewhere, but they don't. So I'm just going to call him Jerkface McJerkface now. Uh, he, he goes to study real hard because he, he's got to learn everything there is to know about his work if he's going he's gonna to thrive. So we cut over to the next day. It's inside the headquarters of the police department. There's an elevator only accessible to someone with a certain key. And the name is Tatsumi Tatsunami. Tatsumi. Thank you. Uh... It connects a level between underground floors 12 and 13 that shouldn't exist. This this is just like station nine. Platform and, nine and three yeah, quarters. There yeah. you go. I know. It's <laughs> how you don't know how you wouldn't think of that. The same way when you see someone with something, an alien in their their hand, you don't think of Parasite. When they talk about erasing memories, you think of men in black. Like there's not a single panel of this that doesn't remind me of a different <laughs> thing. I'm not trying to be a dick, but come on. <laughs> Uh, that's how you read the heart of section five. Was that, what was the name of the organization in men in black? Uh, it wasn't just men in black. I thought there was a name for the actual like headquarters though. (laughs) It should be called the RIPD, the rest (laughs) in peace department. (laughs) The other series that is exactly the same thing. Oh man, that one was so bad. (laughs) I mean, it's also Hellboy, frankly. Yeah. There's big Hellboy vibes to this whole thing. I like that. Uh, this is the new workplace. We uh, we're remind we we're reintroduced to ah God, everyone's name is bad and I don't remember it and I don't care. Mentor character who's like yeah you know everyone here's talking about you and this place is divided into different teams and you're on my team. There's ten teams, uh, and you're on team seven known as Team Sharaku. In other words. You're on my team. And we're introduced to what is going to be the wider cast of Aliens Area with our typical tropes of the cool one, the smart one, the girl one, and the eldritch fish monster one, which is like kind of a tale as old as time. I was kind of hoping they'd diversify this a little bit, but uh, those are our other characters. Do you have any yeah. immediate thoughts, Austin? I mean, I love Hellboy. I would love to read more Hellboy. Um, <laughs> I don't know what to tell you. If you have a weird hand and you work in a, a fucking government office of paranormal and you have a fish friend, like uh, that's all. That's a great concept. Someone yeah. should do that. <laughs> I don't know what to tell I'm you. Lost and just subtly dunking all over this concept. Uh, I'm not trying to be mean. Like so th- some things are like other things. That's not necessarily bad. Yeah. I just I'm waiting for the thing about this to jump out at me as its own thing. Like what is its special sauce that they're bringing to the party? Well, do you think maybe it's because those pieces aren't as maybe Harry Potter and Men in Black and all that stuff isn't as as big in Japan? So maybe they're like, eh, fuck it. Like maybe fucking uh, what is his name? Uh, their name Fusai Naba was just like. Oh, fuck. I saw this thing called Men in Black. I don't think anyone else in Japan has ever seen it. <laughs> I can just get away with this. No one will know. Yeah, I mean, that's basically what happened. There was an American comic artist who basically tried to do their own JoJo. I think it was called Diesel. 
where they just did JoJo like beat for beat and they got away with it for a little bit <laughs> before people noticed. Uh, well, so Bert's was like, hey, wait a minute. <laughs> yeah. I, so, yeah, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm curious what the uh, what the audience is feeling about this. Uh, is uh, is this connecting with people? It's only three chapters in. We, but... we won't really know too much of that. I know. I think there's something where like sometimes they get like video promotions for new series and you can gauge a little bit off of like the views that those have. But to be honest, we won't really know a, a good picture until about eight chapters in when it starts getting ranked. And then a little bit after that, when its first volume gets released, that's when you can usually very quickly tell if a series has any kind of real future to itself. Okay. On the other hand, maybe this is a good business model and I should just like go to, you know, Zimbabwe or something and find one of their popular stories and just do my own version in America. And no one will know that I'm just taking it. It just <laughs> that you, you can launder other people's. That's just cultural appropriation. I've realized <laughs> I've just realized was, there's a term for this. <laughs> I was like, you would not be the first person to go to an African country, take everything from them and just pass it all stuff as yourself. Oh, man, I just invented colonialism with extra steps. Yeah. Sorry, uh, bud. It's, on second thought, you just go nuts with it, Japan. Just take take our shit. It's fine. Men in Black wasn't that treasured. You can have it. Um, so we're introduced to our new characters. There's Fukusuke Miwa, who does seem to be just kind of like the Spockish, you know, like, mm, that would be logical. Mm. They push up their glasses. Uh, Ginji Anase, who I guess is hot-headed or something like that we don't really get enough to get a, a full gl- glimpse of the character and then yumiko fujiko who uh has uh a winter hat uh, she has a look a distinct uh design where she's wearing a, a mini skirt uh like uh flats and a winter hat and all of these pieces together is uh very odd to me uh and she Gets upset initially because everyone's fine over this person saying, hey, you know, he isn't a panda. You don't have to, like, look at him. But then she's like, yeah, you know what? Get over here. I got to I got to test you, basically, because, you know, can't just have you dying out there. You got you got to be strong. So she's going to test him out. And she says, all right, if you can defend against even one of my attacks, then you pass. And she activates the equipment one sort of anti-gravity super speed thing i think i don't know it seems different for other people but that's what equipment one was before sure <laughs> i haven't got a good sense of the power sets going on yet well she's doing basically a flash step you know she just like zoop, zoop, and then she's like right behind and she you know goes to kick and you know she's just like yeah ultra fast movement warp release so uh master person's just like yeah i'm glad we gave her warp capability and you know but is she even considering the batteries or anything like that and just like who cares you know if, you, if you're not here you're just gonna die to aliens so you know if you can't keep up don't bother joining do you think the hr department here has like a special form for nothing personal kid attacks <laughs> <laughs> like yeah if someone appears behind you and strikes you you got to do the pink one yeah. <laughs> but if they if they hit you in the front, we got the, it's the green form. Yeah. Uh, Tatsunami thinks back to his siblings where he says, don't worry, I don't need reminding. And uh, she goes to do like a, a flash step move where she's moved so fast it looks like there's like five of her. And uh, Tatsunami's just like, Shiraku was right. On your first day at work, a co-worker will probably try to test your abilities. When that happens, use your implant. And... The implants are activated by triggering your fighting instinct. So you have to basically 
grit your teeth and bite down on the back of them. And then you summon something, basically make like a hundred hands or something. I don't know. His arm shoots out, turns into many arms. And I'm just like, oh, that's it. You're really cool now. You used an, you used an implant release. Yeah, I mean, his arm becomes a Resident Evil monster, basically, where it just, yeah. just uh, grows and expands and splits up into a bunch of hands that all attack. Is this a uh, attack on Titan with the biting to activate your power, or is this a My Hero hurting yourself to activate your power? What do you think here was the uh, inspiration? I'm going to say it's a little of both. Both of them are highly influential at this point in time. It's kind of hard to art, like ignore either one of them to a certain extent. Um but I would lean more towards like I, I think probably more of a um, attack on Titan thing to be honest. Yeah, I was thinking like okay, I can't have him bite his hand because that's done. Biting his leg, you know, the bend every time—that's weird. Uh, biting your nose, no, that's not possible. <laughs> like he's just going through the things you can bite to activate your powers. Bite your belly button, maybe. Well, let's tr- let's, let's try. See. Let's try it. In every it. character looks like they're sucking themselves off when they transform. <laughs> like, <laughs> You're telling me that wouldn't get an audience if there's a shonen series. It. Everyone has to self suck to power up. <laughs> self suck. And when the, when the villain shows up, they're like, "Fuck! Don't mess with this guy. He, he doesn't even barely need to bend over at all." <laughs> self-suck series by how much they have to like the weakest guy is like yeah i have to get down on the ground and i need like to limber up first or like then we'll take this guy out easily but then the the final villain is just like i can just move my head 45 degrees and i'm already there i'm already sucking (laughs) i've been sucking since i entered the room you fool Sorry about this. <laughs> what else we've to? <laughs> so, in other words, uh, you and Nick are going to be forced to read the series forever. Oh, is that so? That's the thing. This is now three chapters of this series. Uh, you know, this is where we have to decide whether or not we're going to keep this series in the recap or not. Nick is not here to add his voice. I can only presume if he was here, he'd be in support of it. And uh, I don't really care either way. So. Ultimately, the decision falls upon you, Austin. Yeah, I mean, like I said, it seems like it's made up of ideas from a bunch of other series, but mostly the series I like. And the thing is, it has to have some kind of unique hook coming eventually. I feel like when maybe we get more alien designs, that'll be like the make or break. If like this person, if you know the the artist and author have like in their head some cool aliens to show us and cool powers, like I would be down for that. Right now, we're just doing a lot of table setting. Um, it's nice they introduced a female character. <laughs> uh, she has kind of a cool thing. There's there's one like pose she does on uh, was this page nineteen where I was like that that is the most personality any of uh, these characters have shown, and I was like I I kind of do want to see more of that. So yeah, um, yeah. In the end with the the arm explosion, it's like if they have a bunch of cool powers where people like have implants where they're fucking like you know ribs are biting people or whatever the fuck. Yeah, I would like to see that. So yeah. All right. Well, that sounds like you're keeping it in the recap. Unless Nick comes back and he's like, yes, it's in the recap. And be like, I tricked you. Austin actually took it out. <laughs> Just well, troll I, Nick. That's I, what matters. I don't need to use my treasured money in the brank veto in the brank beefcase. Then. All right, cool. Oh, see, 
<laughs> so actually, it was never in doubt. You always were in control the whole time. You sucked before you even <laughs> entered the room. I've always been self-sucking, Austin. That's my trick. <laughs> Fuck. And that's how I lose, and I'm defeated in the self-suck sh- series. What the fuck are we even talking about? What's the next know. one? Let's talk about Blue Box. Uh, this is number 57. Well, I know. So, uh, Taiki is in the middle of Go. I think his name's Hyodo. I'm going to go with Hyodo and just say, no. Yasa? Hyodo was the, the older one. Damn it, I wrote this down somewhere, and I don't have time to find it. Somebody else will message me in the chat to let me know his opponent's name, because I'm going to have to say it a lot in this chapter recap. <laughs> uh, the rally is currently going on. Taiki has already lost one game, and he's already started. Yusa, thank God. Uh, <laughs> he's already <laughs> down in the second game as well, so things are looking pretty bad. Uh, they're doing the big volley. We see... Uh, Hina is just like, wow, Batman's like really hard. Well, she actually isn't saying anything her friend is as she's just watching. She's like, wow, it really like tires you out. Keeping up with a shuttlecock, moving that fast is something else. And she just thinks the Taiki I know usually looks like he's enjoying himself regardless of any setbacks. I've never seen him looking like this before. And, you know, uh, Taiki gets an opportunity, goes for a smash, but unfortunately shuttlecock lands out and that's a problem you've had quite a few times austin correct <laughs> i know i think you're trying to trip me up here i have played badminton before have i used you? to yeah um i used to play tennis I, I mean i played a lot of sports in my time soccer football baseball um you're tennis a shock. Is, i really was yeah when my knee exploded i was like i'm about books now <laughs> you're books like, now forever Yes, <laughs> never again. But <laughs> there, was, there was a second brain in your knee that when it exploded, <laughs> the, the main brain could take over. I was like, I like books now. <laughs> I'm going to play Fire Emblem all the time. Absolutely. I, I, but all I was going to say was uh, badminton and tennis are so fucking hard. You have to constantly be moving. It's it's the biggest pain in the ass. With football, you get to take a break like every eight seconds. <laughs> At least on the line you did. Now, maybe not if you're a wide receiver or something, but uh, football to, for me. You sit up there. You know, you got to get to get to the line of scrimmage and just kind of take it easy for a little bit. And then if I show 21 has taught me anything, it's all about punching your opponent in the heart after that. No, it's <laughs> Oh, baseball is also very good. You just so much of baseball is standing around. Have it rocks. You read I Shield 21 at all? No, I have not. Oh, we need to get you to read I Shield 21 and then come on the show because I just want you to complain about everything that they get wrong. Where you're just I, like, Jumanji should have been out. His knee hit the ground before he crossed the line of scrimmage. This scene doesn't have any weight. It's all very dumb. It's funny because if if you follow our relationship, uh, parasocial, you'll know that you're constantly bullying me into getting into different things. I so am not. You are constantly wedging me, and it's really working right now. I, we literally started Lost the other night, uh, which is I've committed to 120 something episodes for you, and I'm watching One Piece. For I was gonna you. say I, I I knew you were watching One Piece, and then I was told that you were watching uh, Lost, and I was like. Is Austin playing to kill and replace me? It's like the butterfly meme, the like gesture of friendship. Is this a murder plot? <laughs> uh, so very, no one does this. Look, I, I watched the show, Se- the show Severance. 
Mm-hmm. And I was so excited to talk about it. I talked to it to like a hundred people and not a single fucking one of them watched the show. So I had someone to talk to it about. So I just like, no, I just exist on my own island. All the things I enjoy, no one else wants to get on board with. So I'm a little suspicious when someone's like, oh, I took one of your recommendations. I'm like, why? Uh-huh. Do you know something I don't? <laughs> Did a doctor from the, from the uh, note from the doctor show up that I didn't get and you got? Yeah, I'm actually planning on watching Severance. Laura has been banging that drum for a while, but it's on Apple Plus or something, which I don't have access to. So I'm going to steal it eventually. I thought I gave it to Joa. If not, I'll give it again. Okay. You, should, you should have access to it. Basically... <laughs> Just on air talking about media piracy. <laughs> no, you can share it with a friends and family program and you guys are family, basically. Basically. Yeah. Uh, uh, anyway. <laughs> Lost is good so far. Oh, that's good. Oh, I'm gonna definitely have to talk to you about Lost. Um, everybody knows like shit. That was a really big point. Taiki just lost there because you lose a shot like that after a really long relay, and it just affects you mentally. And he's already lost his first game, so at this point, it's it's there's no way he's gonna last through a second one. Taiki has a moment. He's there. He's panting. It's very rough, and he just takes a long kind of like inhale. And uh, Chinasu is watching. He's just like, I'm starting to understand what Taiki was saying back then about how, you know, it's either his credit if he wins or his fault if he loses. It's, it's all kind of responsibility based on him. And she's like, I know how hard he's worked at all these morning practices. You know, I just used to think like, hey, there's that kid who's always there. But he literally came every day. And, you know, he would be there so early that I was like, all right, well, I'll just beat him there the next morning. And he would still be there. And he would even practice after his last game of junior high. And he was so impressive. Even on rainy days, everything. He never stopped, basically. And we see, as this is happening, Taiki is starting to kind of get a little bit of momentum going on. You know, he he manages to nail a shot. And uh, Yusa is just like, it's uncanny. He is getting faster and faster as this is going on. And we get more of sort of Chinasu's thinking, like, yeah, even on windy days, basically every fucking weather that possibly could happen, Taiki would still show up to do practice and everything like that. And, you know, no matter what day it was, he never stopped moving forward. I know. And Taiki ends the chapter. He, he hits another big ace. Well, no, I guess not an ace, but another big point. Looks like he scores. This one lands inbounds. And it seems as though Taiki is mounting a comeback yeah this has almost like a poetic quality to it it's hard to explain but like the the way that it repeats about the different weather and it's showing the the action kind of intensifying and he's getting like you know sweaty and uh, making a rally It, it just has this like propulsive like almost lyrical style to it i found really interesting and likable and it you know if you've ever done training uh, training arcs are so ubiquitous in, in manga. I don't know that this needs to be said, but it, it really is like watching somebody grow in in this way is like a real phenomenon, and it, this captures it really, really effectively. Yeah, I think it's excellent. Uh, it's a really nice chapter for Taiki. I like seeing the two love interests look at him. It's it's you know, it's one of these very understated things uh, of having like your love interests actually explain what they find admirable in characters as opposed to just like i like him i don't know what to tell you our standards might be really lowered by the media we consume but we're like this person has a reason they like a person is like the bare minimum yeah but also like a kind of like actually understandable reason of like 
I'm really envious of how committed they are. Cause that is like an inspiring thing. Like you do see somebody here like, Oh my God, they do so much. They work so hard at this. That is like a a quality you could find very attractive in a person. So, Mm -hmm. you know, suddenly it's not just like a big nut dick Taiki. It's like, Oh, Hey, you're (laughs) really motivated. And I was like, I love Uh this, you know, it's, 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 it's a very good moment. I think. Yeah, actually, I really like this a lot. I wasn't expecting to because not really much happens. Like someone like, looks at a person playing badminton and they're like, oh, they're doing badminton. <laughs> if you break it down, but, you know, yeah. nailed All right, Austin, let's talk about everybody's favorite series, Doron Doron. Uh, we have just finished the epic Doson saga <laughs> that will go up in the annals of time. Uh-huh. And uh, now it's time to start a new thing. Well, that's actually probably gonna be a little fallout, you know, kind of like One Piece, where like after a big arc, there's got to be a couple chapters that show how the status quo has been changed, and like, you know, new relationships have to be formed, and let's build some world. You know, I guess technically it it does do all these things, so maybe One Piece <laughs> is aping Doron Doron actually. So the absolute disrespect you and Nick treat this series with is so <laughs> it's funny. Only crime of just not being good, but like it's it's fine. It's it's not amazing, and we're just like this. Stupid series is so cruel. I did laugh. The, I laughed a lot during this. Not that it's particularly funny, but just that you could see so nakedly them trying to get to the end. Basically, yeah. um, you will get there. But Jesus Christ, it's it's very uh, transparent, and that makes it very funny to me, at least. Yeah. So Adora and Kusanagi are out there, like walking around uh, the headquarters of the core, and he's just like, "I'm so glad we solved the case. Easy peasy." I don't know how Kusanagi's doing it. He's eating like a, a dumpling, but he just shoves his feet. He doesn't have hands, which is weird because he could he could shape shift, so he could shape shift into having hands. He just doesn't. He just fucking he whole he whole horses this whole fucking dumpling basically in front of him. It's Powerpuff Girl rules. Yeah. The round things can kind of just stick to each other. <laughs> <laughs> That's how they held things with their hands. Yeah. Uh <laughs> I had to say it. You've broken my mind yet again. You're <laughs> is, Power- is Powerpuff Girls real? Yeah, <laughs> it's the realist. I need to rewatch the movie. I remember watching it once and getting really depressed by it. Oh, no. I just remember there's like a scene where they're all on the moon and they're all so sad. And I was like, this isn't what I'm here for. You guys usually make a bunch of jokes. What is this? Bring back the silly monkey. Yeah. I wish to laugh. <laughs> <laughs> I need my chortles. That's what I said at seven years old. I was like, I need my chortles and <laughs> good times. Um, so Dora's walking around. He's like, yeah, he's cool. And he sees a gardener who's there. And he's like, oh, hey, do you need any help? And uh, he, of course, interrupts too. He's like, oh, and don't worry. This Mama Nosuke is harmless. So the gardener's like, oh, is that so? How nice of you two. But don't be cheeky brats. And suddenly it's like, and, and fucking hedges this entire tree and just like yes if i focus i can clip all these trees in an hour i'm very very cool do you th- still think you can help me and dora turns kusanagi into a hedge trimmer and is like yeah let's show him and i believe this is the the only time dora has turned kusanagi into something that isn't just basically a sword <laughs> so we're finally seeing dora or kusanagi's uh, shape-shifting coming into use as he turns into a hedge clipper it's like gr- Green Lantern Syndrome, where you can transform something into anything. You really, the possibilities are too much, and you usually just make a big hammer. Yeah. 
<laughs> well, it's the big fist. I can just punch you real hard. Yeah, you, that's just it's just too much responsibility to have infinite shape-shifting powers. Uh, so Dora and Kusanagi are trimming a bunch of trees, and the gardener looks on saying, mm, they work together perfectly. Because they do. They're both pretty bad. Oh, Ninja is correcting me. This was a fan at one point. So uh, there's been two <laughs> other transformations that are, are... Do you retract your statement? Do you apologize? Yeah, you know what? Hey, I'm looking at you now. Dora and Kusanagi and Durandoran. I apologize. I seem to indicate you lacked creativity. And the many things you lack, that is still one of them, but not completely. So to that, I do apologize. To make up for this grave insult, we will be both awarding it chapter of the week. (laughs) (laughs) Honorary. Yeah, it just earns it now. Uh, The guy's just like, hey, why do you fight Mononoke? And... Dora and Kusanagi are just like, yeah, well, it's just like, you know, we want to make the world a kinder, happier place. And Gardner dude's like, you guys rule, and then leaves. <laughs> um, I forget his stupid name, Uji. He shows up and is just like, hey, I told you guys to stay near me. And I don't know why that's a relevant detail. I guess it's just explain why he shows up into the scene, but they're, they're grown people. They've saved the world like twice. Why do they, why do they need a chaperone around this place? Haven't, hasn't the entire core been told that like Kusanagi's cool at this point, just walking down the road, running into two relevant characters by complete happenstance. I love to be a writer. You can just make anyone appear in any scene. You don't need to explain so it. Cool. You can just do it. Um, <laughs> Dora's just like, oh, hey, we're just hanging out with this old gardener. And Uji's like, that's not an old gardener. He's the old head of the Uzanagi Corp. What? And we cut over to the underground training hall where we're introduced to the founder slash admirable. Admiral. Admirable is a different word. He's probably both, honestly. Uh, Goki Sukihara. And uh, we are reintroduced to... Yusai, the commander, and then just a cavalcade of new characters who are all different officers. There's, Mm -hmm. again, there's strong guy, nerd guy, girl Uh, guy. I also saw a demon slayer. I would love to have a (laughs) group of expert fighting people who have their own little themes and they're all clashing and now this yeah. to be fair is just a shonen trope in general sure so i'll give it i'll give uh Dora on that it's already chapter of the week so i don't <laughs> i don't need to sing it too hard but you're right i should have opened my petulant mouth and bad bad <laughs> understand your shit place talk. dog is yeah. what i'm saying our chapter of the week can brook no disrespect <laughs> Uh, and there's also a sleepy one. Never seen that before. Like a sleepy character in a group. That's crazy. Uh, also, there's another like rival angsty one. And then the two we've met before. Uh, Noitora and Uji. Um, so the old guy whose name is literally two pages ago and I just don't care to remember it. <laughs> Goki it also, Sukahara. Yeah, it was also the <laughs> chapter title. But God, why am I retaining this? <laughs> Yeah. Uh, he's just like, oh, yes, uh, we found out that there was a uh, conflict with a key figure during the last mission. I thought they would provide some interesting information. I'm sure it'll be helpful. And coughs. 
And every one of the other captains like turns and they have like their eyes flash as they all go to strike, I guess, presumably the exact same spot because he deflects it all with a single movement. Uh, but they're like, yes, I asked them to try to get a hidden if I ever let my guard down. So it's all about conditioning. And then we find out the actual reason for the meeting is that the one who pulled the strings behind the fight was Hanzo Miyamoto. According to our intel, he's wrapped in black bandages and he must be taken out. If we can manage that, we can put a stop to everything. And they're like, oh, so he's human or like a humanoid Mononoke? Why would defeating him end anything? There's still more Mononoke out there. And uh, Goki's just like, we only share this information with the officers to avoid confusion. The Mononoke appeared in this world because of a jutsu cast by that man. So if we kill him, all the jutsu will be lifted and Mononoke will disappear from this world. And uh, Dora's like, all right, cool. Well, I guess we'll do that then. Wait a minute. All Mononoke? And he turns over to Kusanagi. Bump, 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 bump. It's so great to be led to a room where someone says, like, how would we end the series? It was there's one person we could defeat, which would solve all of our problems and also provide a touching, sad uh, moment where I had to say goodbye to my friend. And they're like, yes, such a man exists. It's like incredible. <laughs> it is. Uh, it is the best <laughs> piece of writing, any piece of media where you're like, there's a bad army. But if we beat this one thing, the rest of them no longer exist. Yeah, <laughs> I believe TV Tropes calls it the Keystone Army. It's just like, uh, oh no, the Chitauri are invading. Oh, they're everywhere in New York. We're doomed unless we take a bomb to the mothership. Or, oh, the the Stranger Things monsters are everywhere. We're doomed unless we close the portal. Like, it's just... <laughs> like if they say a little sheep is like, unless we close the portal. Uh, there's always a portal or a mothership or a, a reactor. Sky, sky beam. You gotta stop yeah. the sky beam. Yeah, I mean, it, I mean, uh, a lot of it goes back to uh, the Death Star. You just got to hit the hit the torpedo in the one tube, and now, it all blows up. Every story, at its core, is based <laughs> off the Bible. So, which Bible story is this? Uh, oh, this is a great one. I mean, I think it's probably uh, when you're talking about defeating a whole uh, army and by destroying one person, uh, it's got to be Revelation, right? It's when Jesus comes back and he like is like defeats the devil and everything's good. Incorrect. Correct answer was David and Goliath because I don't know what happens after that story. Yeah, he just kills that giant and everyone's like, "Good job, you rule, David." <laughs> yeah, they're like Israel safe forever. Don't read the Book of Ezekiel. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what up? Well, we definitely spend a lot of time in exile, and then we get conquered by Rome, right? Shut up! We beat Goliath. <laughs> the big dude's dead. We rule. Uh, honestly, I feel like I should be mad at this our chapter of the week, uh, but I can't because it's excellent, obviously, and it's just so uh, completely obvious what they're going for. Do you think, in their mind, the author had all of these like lieutenants? planned out from the beginning like organization 13 and they all have like gimmicks and backstory and like they were yes. really excited to, <laughs> they were uh, going to well, share all of their tragic histories and their inner turmoil yeah i mean i think anybody who writes a, an action manga and shonen jump comes in with the general idea of like okay i'm going to create like five to six like side captain characters like because it's the big thing you know it's like you know t the the ninja teams in naruto it's 
you know, the, the Gosai 13 and Bleach, you know, it's like, here are going to be the, the Hashirara or whatever the names are in Demon Slayer. Like, here are the main significant characters who, as you said, are all going to have their own unique designs and character gimmicks and all that sort of stuff. Like, this is what drives the series. So I feel like if you create a battle manga, you have to have something like that already planned. You're like, look, these are going to this is going to be a thing. I'm going to put these characters in somewhere. But if, if our hero defeats the one man who caused Mononoke to appear and they all disappear and he, you know, sheds a single tear as his shape-shifting best friend leaves, uh, we won't learn anything about these characters, which means the author can reuse them in the next series. <laughs> they <laughs> can't. Have... They introduce them. That's <laughs> You can't do it now. Well, not the names, but you can be like, oh, here's the sleepy one with their backstory that you never learned in my old series. I just I do that all the time on my show where I'm like, ah, here's a a character that will sure to be. Oh, you've killed them. Uh, (laughs) And then it's like, all right, well, everything that I was going to reveal about them is actually true about this person that I reveal later. (laughs) I like this idea that that's how Dice Funk works is um, you just you're like, "Eh, fuck it. I like this thing. I'm just going to put it back. These dopes won't ever know. Yeah, I mean, no one does know. How would you know? Every time, Can every time you don't character? engage with an NPC, you just make the next one more powerful. <laughs> Can I guess one of these characters you've reused? Absolutely. I'm gonna say uh, that annoying little bitch elephant from season six. <laughs> <laughs> How dare you talk about Lancelot the Hollyfant, the most beloved character who's ever existed? Uh, you should listen to my show if you don't. It's great. It's excellent. I've been listening to this current season and it's fantastic. Uh, <laughs> Capitalist Batman may finally have gotten their just desserts, but I still root for them. <laughs> A divisive character for sure. Everyone either really fucking loves or hates Vimble, Calthinian, Barry Cheek the Fourth, yeah. the f- most annoying person who's ever lived. Uh, fuck. They're the best. All right, let's talk about. Oh wait, um, Austin. Me. I have a puzzle for you. Actually, I have two. Oh, fuck. So one is here uh, as we do a new segment called Podcaster Puzzles Popular Planeswalkers, perhaps pointlessly. Yes. (laughs) Yes. So I have one here. Let's see if you can guess this. Uh, Pronounced pacifist pulverizes punitive prisoners. Oh, my God. Purposefully. You think I don't know Karn? You disgust me. Get that weak shit out of here. I didn't do it because it was hard. I wanted to tell the story. <laughs> but no, there's a big robot who's a pacifist in a torture. They throw him in a rock tumbler with a bunch of goblins. So he just fall over and crush them. Yeah, Karn is a, a construct. Uh, a great story. Uh, got a spark from Venser who died tragically. Uh, it's a whole thing. Was kind of a main character for a while, and then disappeared, and is back now. We yeah. all love Karn. Now, I would also like to turn your attention to Twitter, where I believe Y Roller or Nick F Time has sent you uh, a message. Oh no, on Twitter? Yeah, the accursed hell site. <laughs> I shall open it. <laughs> <laughs> I just opened up Twitter. Nick's fucking face. It's there for you, bud. <laughs> oh, no, I have to steal myself. Do you have any way to show this to the, the stream? I, I do not, but I can actually read it out to you because I, okay. I, I was sent it as well. Okay. So, uh, Pious Phantasm promises payback for Pit Fighter's Plague. Oh, fuck. So this is a planeswalker. Uh, no, I, that's what the gimmick I told Nick, but he, I don't think he... 
he I don't think he reads or he was experienced with magic when it was previously. So there were okay. a ton of planeswalkers back then. It might be a planeswalker. I don't believe so, though. Okay, but it is a magic character. Yes, it is a magic okay. character. I was, <laughs> I was going to be like, no, it's a goddamn character. <laughs> out, bitch. Okay, pious, pious phantasm promises payback for pit fighters plague. Pit fighters plague. Okay, so I remember the the pit fighting uh, storyline that was in um, like Scourge and so forth with Phage the Untouchable and that whole thing. Uh, Pious Phantasm makes me think of Kaya because she can turn into a ghost. That is true. But that she wasn't involved in that storyline. The 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 plague that came out of the pit is I mean Phyrexia is the the Phyresis is the name of the plague. Um, hmm. Pious Phantasm. That's tripping me up. I'm trying to think of who counts as a phantasm. Oh no, I'm gonna look like a fool. Um, You're okay. gonna look so stupid when I I'm... reveal the. <laughs> I'm kidding. Highest phantasm. I guess it, it depends if maybe I'm thinking too strictly along the line of ghosts, because like it could be like uh, if you count the illusions as phantasms, it could be Ixador. Um, uh-huh. I mean, it could just be a Chroma, because she is like not actually. Anyway, it's a whole other thing. I'm gonna. Yeah, I'm, I'm gonna. I'm gonna. I'm gonna play the video. So okay. Our audience can also hear it. Okay. Wonderful. All right, Austin. I've got a puzzle for you. Let's see if you can figure this out. Pious Phantasm promises payback for Pit Fighter's Plague. All right, so the audience just All heard right, it. You didn't get to. You can listen to the fucking video on your own copy. <laughs> <laughs> All right, one, one more time, and then I'm going to give up. Pious Phantasm promises payback for Pit Fighter's Plague. Promises pays. Okay. Promises I'm say, payback. Promises payback. I'm thinking of people who are like on revenge quests. Mm-hmm. And I mean, that has to be Elspeth. You go with Elspeth? I'm going to go with Elspeth. The correct answer is a Chroma, the Angel of Wrath. I did say a Chroma, fuck! I did say it. I said said if you expand what what Phantasm means, it could be Ixidor or a Chroma, because in the the pit fighting storyline, basically a Chroma and Phage are separate people, and then they eventually get fused into uh, the False God. Um, and yeah, the Chroma, uh, Chroma has a whole storyline. She gets her legs melted off at one point and replaced with swords. Um, she's sick, but yeah, I, for me, I, I, I was thinking phantasm too literally. She is like a, a, a vision of a woman. She is like not actually who she thinks she is, but yeah, because that was a good one. I think pit, pit fighter was the best clue. Cause that's a very specific storyline. Austin or, uh, Nick had a good one. So big ups to Nick. And I yeah. think that's all the puzzles we have, so... No, it's oh. not. Wait. What? <laughs> <laughs> so this wasn't on stream before we were talking. You're like, oh, so sometimes we do this thing where uh, we talk about pee, 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 and we do a little puzzle. And I was like, bitch, you think I didn't prepare a puzzle for you? <laughs> you actually used a slur when you said it. I was not cool. <laughs> <laughs> Don't say that. <laughs> oh my god that's fucked up um but yeah okay so i didn't do magic uh i did wrestling because that's what you do on the show okay uh with the fun twist that i don't know anything about wrestling <laughs> <laughs> i only know like three wrestlers so called so, i'm just gonna name the three ones john cena <laughs> funikai Damn. Uh, <laughs> uh so i'm gonna say this it might make it mean nothing to you uh it's not a reflection on you but rather my ignorance here we go 
Okay. Pastoral powerhouse from popular parable is preposterous and perplexing. Ooh, okay. Pastoral. What was it? Pastoral powerhouse. Powerhouse. Hmm. <laughs> You're going to be so mad at me. <laughs> <laughs> um, say, and, and what's the rest of it? Pastoral powerhouse. So I've kind of broken it down into yeah. three sections. Like, so that that's kind of a descriptor. And then the backstory is popular parable, pastoral powerhouse from a popular parable okay. is preposterous and perplexing. And so that's kind of a description. Okay. Pastoral power. Gotta be like a farmer. Is it Colossus from X Men? <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know Colossus from X Men was a farmer. Yeah, man, that's what he. That's how. It, that's how his mutant power activated. Austin, his, I, his fucking his family member was about to get crushed by a tractor, and he turned into metal and crushed it. I only read Hellboy, really. You're a nerd, <laughs> that's really the only comic I really fuck with. You'd, you'd read X Men if I put it on fucking scrolls. I, absolutely. <laughs> I I put X Men. <laughs> uncanny x-men on a scroll and i just fucking leave it on your doorstep you're like oh babe new scroll <laughs> that's me um all right i'm trying to think of somebody who was like kind of like their backstory was like oh i'm like a farmer or something like that or like i came from the countryside yeah so pastoral is yeah related to like farms and uh so forth it's coming at it from a slightly different angle it's not exactly a farmer it's farm adjacent i would say farm adjacent well that takes that irs because it wouldn't be somebody who worked for the government that'd be different no (laughs) it's not i think you can roll it out safely it's not the wrestling wrestler the uh wrestling accountant (laughs) hmm interesting Uh uh-huh i'm waiting for the reveal when you're like none of these none of this describes any of (laughs) you don't understand at all if you're like hulk hogan i'm gonna be like you you son of a bitch (laughs) (laughs) um powerful parable was it popular parable Popular parable okay here parable being a a little bit broader just to mean like an old story more or less but a popular old story okay and then it's something something preposterous and perplexing preposterous and perplexing well that's wrestling in general i can't i sure. can't get anybody else. but <laughs> stupid and confusing even for wrestling i mean undertakers are stupid and confusing when you start to dig into some of the lore sure. um really really What's the really, really dumbest wrestler I could think of beside Luchasaurus, the wrestling <laughs> dinosaur? I don't have the stream up. I wonder if anyone in the in the chat is is guessing and getting it. I should have that up. Uh, I I I'm seeing answers in there. Don't really call to me. Okay. <laughs> I, I, if it's Booker T, I'll be blown because there's so many other things you can say about Booker T. <laughs> I don't know who that is. <laughs> um. <sighs> Is it Hornswoggle, the wrestling leprechaun? No, that would have been a good one, though. That's I should have done that. I, I think you have me. I think you and Nick are, are going to share this. <laughs> All right. You ready for the reveal? Yes. It's Mantar. <laughs> okay, that's fair. <laughs> Do you just look up a, rest, a list of the dumbest wrestlers? No, you t- you told me about Mantar. Did I? Years ago, yes. Why? When, uh, season four of our show, we did a wrestling arc. 
And uh, you were just giving me some things to look up about wrestling. You're like, you got to see this match where this guy falls through a cage and lands on a bunch of nails. You got to see this uh, famous thing. And then you were like, there's also this guy named Mantar. And I've never forgotten it. <laughs> I, I mean, I'm glad I introduced you to the dumb side of wrestling as opposed to the embarrassing side where you're like, oh, this is shameful. And <laughs> many of you should be in prison for for even doing this. Yeah, breaking breaking news. Vince McMahon uh, under investigation for hush money scheme or something currently as yes. of this recording. Uh, there's a lot of things going on there um, with multiple. By the way, he used that story to advertise himself being on SmackDown to say, welcome to SmackDown, everybody, just for the ratings boost. I mean, never stop hustling. Yeah. That man is on his grind. It's, you got you to gotta go all the way. Uh, I, I want to do another season of Dice Funk where I play another wrestler just so I can give tell you more wrestling stories because there's so <laughs> many. Uh, All right. Let's talk about chapter 37, December 21st. So we open exactly where we left off last time. Asura Chica has basically uh, crushed Lucky's dreams and basically was like, death rules, you suck, goodbye. <laughs> I can't wait till mom's dead. And uh, passed by Rajiro, who goes running into the room to see Lucky just fucking gobsmacked, like haunted as he turns over. Uh, and then we cut over. Sora Chica has returned home. And guess what? It's the birthday party. For who? For fucking everyone. It's a septuplet. So we all <laughs> have the same birthday. And uh, Fanta is there. And basically just like hosting another birthday party. Like, yeah, it's a little bit smaller, but... You know, thanks to a certain someone's expose, I can't allow the press here. Uh, Sorchik asks where their dad is. He's like, yeah, he's in his room. He only shows at the beginning anyway. Uh, Fanta asks if Sorchika saw Rajro, and he's like, yeah. And he just asks, like, what are you scheming for this competition? You know, like, I just figured Lucky's existence is something you don't like. And Sorachik is like almost a little angry. He goes like the little like uh, I don't know what you call them, like the little fucking like uh, crosses of like anger bolts all over his face he's like i'm not uh -huh. scheming anything or you mean the music i select i'll just pick the pieces we usually play anyway i'm gonna win so who cares he uh brings up he's like you know lucky didn't beat Bamin or rajiro so he's fucked like <laughs> he sucks i'm gonna fucking own this little bitch and, and just everyone's gonna think i i rule and then he'll give up after he gets crushed by his third sibling in a row so don't reveal any more secrets, basically. And I guess if you do, all you can reveal is that we're going to be doing a lot of battling now. Uh, so Sorochika just says, have you decided on the teammates for your team? And he says, I have. And we, we're reintroduced to Maloli and a, another character in the background who we don't get to see. And Maloli just says, happy birthday to you two. Uh, she also specifically uses their full names, which makes it very unnerving. Uh, but Fanta says that Maloli actually came up with this plan and she's basically like, yeah, I don't give a shit what you're up to, but I, I'm only going to be there if the Min's going to be there. Right. So we cut over on that queue to the Min just fucking covering shit and frosting. I think because she gets surprised, but I also just like <laughs> to think that she has the diet of a three-year-old who just fucking shoots icing all over stuff. Yeah, I don't particularly care for the art in this series most of the time. A lot of the, a lot of the stuff doesn't do much for me, but her facial expression in the icing uh, panel is really good. <laughs> huh, what festival? Uh, and also, Rajro is there hugging Lucky so tightly he can't breathe. 
Um, Rachel is just like, I'm listening for a fan for a, for a Fanta and Sorachika suck. They're like, why are they doing this? Basically like Lucky's being so picked on. This is awful. Uh, and then he's like, wait, who the fuck are you? And I also said that even though I know this character and seen him several times throughout the series, I'm so glad he introduces himself because otherwise I would not remember this character's name. It's Sadame Hino who wishes everyone a happy birthday. And he just asks, hey, will you be joining Team A, Mamin and Reijiro? And they just in unison say, yeah, because they're friends with Lucky, so they're going to do it. Which, on one hand, is very good. On the other hand, I'm a little bit bummed. And maybe we'll get, like, a Dragon Ball super move where, like, oh, Majin Buu's going to be on the team. And then the last second, like, no, he's sleeping or some bullshit, so <laughs> we're going to get Freeze on the team instead. I was kind of hoping we might see, like, a reason for Furusu to get on the team, but... As it is, it looks like it's going to be the three uh, Otogami siblings and then uh, Sadame as the fourth. Because uh, they're like, yeah, we're going to win. And we're going to drag Fanta over to see Mom. And Maloli's going to be at the festival, so I want to battle her. And then Rageru is just like, I'm going to fucking win and crush everybody because I have an unhealthy relationship to my sibling. Uh, but then they ask, like, hey, Sadame, what do you want? He's like, oh, hey, like, do you remember what I said during the summer about granting my wish? Well, I want my wish granted now. Let me be on Team A. So Lucky's like, cool, thanks. And he just thinks to himself, wow, everybody's helping me out. I need to do a non-legato analysis. This time, who am I playing for? And he remembers Sorachika's words about ego. So it just ends the chapter. Ego. And I believe he is, of course, actually talking about ego, the living planet. <laughs> A Marvel Comics character who uh, is just a big planet who uh, is mad in space. Like, I would be, too. It would make this series a lot more interesting if there was a living planet and it was played by the guy from Big Trouble in Little China as yeah. he was in the movie. <laughs> I would like that a lot. I don't know. I feel like a hater, but I've, I've never particularly cared for a pa 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 As they say, you know, writing about music is like dancing about architecture. It's not a great fit. I don't particularly love the art and it's just a lot of tedious family drama. It's just not for me. I'm not, I, I'm not even saying like from a writing perspective, it's like weak or like cheap or it's not like Duran 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 where I'm like, oh, lol. Like this is like, you know, just like amateur. Like you would get this back covered in red marker being like, fix this. Um, it's just it's just not my style. That seems like the meanest thing. I almost want to do that. I just want to print out every chapter of Duran Duran Duran, write up remarks and then hand it back to like just post where like you need this back <laughs> yeah I'm, I'm not even trying to be mean to that person but yeah like if i was an editor in a magazine and someone turned that in i would be like you need to, to read <laughs> do this this is not it's not a great uh, from a writing perspective um which is not a thing i have with with this series necessarily it's just not particularly uh doing anything for me unfortunately that's fair all right let's talk about rory dragon chapter two see you at school now, you awesome. tried to keep this from me. You sent me the list of series to read and it wasn't on there, but I read it anyway. I'm trying ha! to deny its existence. I'm trying to hide it so none of us have to read it. <laughs> well, yeah. Is it too cute for you? Is that the problem? Is that, is that all right? We're going to get into this, I guess. <laughs> uh, so we opened the chapter. Ruri, a.k.a. Ruri Dragon. That's her superhero code name, uh, is attempting to force herself to sneeze so she can suit fire and it doesn't come out. So she's like, Mom, can I fucking go home? And her mom's like, no, because if you can't trigger it yourself, then it's only going to come out in random outbursts. So you can't come back to school until we figure out how you like until you figure out how to breathe fire. 
So we get a little bit of a flashback to her going back to when she first breathed fire. Breathed fire? Breathed. Breathed fire. <laughs> breathed. <Yeah>. Breathed. Yeah. <laughs> um, and her mom was just like, hey, how are the burns? And Rory's just like, yeah, they're all healed. I think the scars are all gone. And her mom's like, yep, you've inherited your dry, your dad's healing blood. So that sounds pretty cool, right? And Rory's just like, yeah, yeah, I rule, I guess. Like, <laughs> So she hasn't had any fire since then. She's like, yeah, no, maybe it'll never happen again. And her mom's like, that's ah, not good. It's probably going to happen again. All right, we're going to we're going <laughs> to we're going to make you force fire out, basically. And uh, that's where we're at currently. That was called In Media Res. Uh huh. We started in the middle. Wow. We actually started, didn't we? Actually started in the present and then went backwards in Media Res and then came to current. Can I call you Professor? <laughs> You're teaching me so much. <laughs> <laughs> uh, a thing I noticed immediately, uh, not to cut you off and interrupt your recap, uh, but there's a lot of no backgrounds going on here. Have you have you noticed that? What do you think yes. about this? Because um, I was, if to me, like when you when you often you know recap these things and you're talking about like oh Bleach has no backgrounds or like oh look how detailed this elusive samurai background is, and it's like it seems like leaving it blank would be a weakness. But reading all of this stuff in like one go for the show tonight, I was like refreshed. Cause I, I like after one piece where like every single molecule <laughs> is filled with detail. I was like, I need a break <laughs> from, from that. And this is like really refreshing to me. That's right. Rory dragon is the antithesis to one piece. Every, every strength one piece has this one doesn't. And every strength this one has one piece doesn't. So, um, I'm pretty sure one piece has a uh, little horned people that, that are cool. Yeah, I think so. I could probably think of one if you give me a little time. Um, so, uh, no, I don't really care one way or the other. I didn't really notice it. I'm not. Uh, this is a, a shameful thing to admit as a uh, professional manga recapper. I don't really notice backgrounds that often. At least I don't really consciously realize I notice it. So people pointed it out later words or afterwards on like our discord and things like that. And I was like, oh, yeah, I guess there are a lack of backgrounds in it. But I truly don't like. I don't know. They eventually establish, oh, she's in a field by a river. So that's mm-hmm. like, in my mind, I just keep picturing that scene until told otherwise, basically. I don't know. Yep. Uh, the mom's just like, hey, you know, like, you want to do a picnic or something like that? Or she asked her mom that. Her mom's like, yeah, well, we got to, like, take it easy now and then. And, you know, by the way, I saw your dad. Like, <laughs> so we get a flashback of her seeing the dad who, like, in this moment, you're like, oh, I wonder, like, are dragons, like, humanoid people? Well, it doesn't seem to be so. From the silhouette we've seen, it's just a big fucking dragon that she had sex with at some point. Yeah, um, they're really withholding the, the salacious details. I want to know more about <laughs> that interaction and the anatomy and so forth. Uh, I wonder if it's going to be like how JD from Scrubs got Elizabeth Banks pregnant, where they didn't actually have intercourse. He just came in her general proximity. I don't remember that. I've seen a good amount of scrubs. I feel like I would remember that. I just remember the way he has to describe it to get it on television. He's like, uh, there was friendly fire near the area and some (laughs) troops may have gotten into the bunker or something. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Uh, Scrubs rules. Um, That is not the Rory Dragon situation. This lady got plowed. She got fucking annihilated. It's a sweet series. Mom could not walk for three days. (laughs) No. (laughs) 
You're horny. I told you you'd be too horny for this suit. That's why I tried to hide it from you. <laughs> um, the mom's basically just like, hey, yeah, you're like, what's going on, basically? And the dragon's just like, it's only natural she won't know how to control her fire at first. You know, her anatomy is fundamentally human, but none of these chains are abnormal and her body is going to adapt. Of course, that all depends on what's passed down. I mean, even I don't really know what she's going to inherit, but whatever she does happen to inherit for me, those become traits. So just let her be, you know, her body will learn what's going on. Give it time. And uh, then the mom follows this up by saying, you guys have explosive discharges too, like from the lower end is what he says. So uh, can in fact, I guess, Rory's third dragon trait is <laughs> explosive wet shits, apparently. Oh my god. <laughs> um, Rory just asks, like, did you guys fight? And uh, our mom's just like, yeah, no, like, he doesn't stop for two seconds to think about how stuff impacts our lives. So yeah, I guess I beat some sense into him. Because she, we see in a, like the flashback scene, she literally is just like, I fucking walked up the mountain. You better know more than this and threw something at him. Uh, and Rory just asks, like, so what? what's my dad like? And she's, uh, mom's like, do you want to meet him? I'm like, nah, not really. <laughs> I don't really know what to expect. Um, Extremely relatable. R- really liking Rory. Also, yeah. never met my father. If he was in the other room, I wouldn't bother getting up to go see. <laughs> <laughs> just extremely not interested. Boring. Austin, your dad's out the window. Would you like to just turn slightly and look? Like, meh. No. I, I don't want to risk getting a neck strain and looking in that direction. Who gives a shit? <laughs> I'm proud of you, bud. Uh, he, uh, Mom's just like, he's only a monster on the outside. Inside, he's not so different from a person, which might explain why you're so human yourself. And suddenly, Rory's just like, tingling she's like wait what hold on something's going on it's gonna happen and she goes and she runs over to the lake and their river and she's like does this seem mostly human to you and she explodes a giant breath of fire and her mom's like oh that was a big one and she's clapping <laughs> <laughs> uh, and Rory's all excited because it happened again and she's like oh it didn't hurt this time and her mom's like yeah you're probably adapted from last time you know so it was real good that was some grade a fire right there and she's like, all right, cool. You can go back to school now. You, you feel strange or anything like that? And she's like, no, nah, I guess not. And maybe like breathing fire or whatever could be fun. So they go and drive off. They go to a doctor. Uh, doctor has experience with dragons. It's in a little detail. They go to check for any weirdness. Uh, they go to stop by grandma's house. Be like, hey, what's going on there? Grandma's like, why do you have horns? And it's the same joke from like the first chapter where it was like, huh, okay. I've got melon. Let's go eat. <laughs> like the conversation kind of ends there. Um, and then uh, they go and pick up some groceries. And she's like, God damn, this chapter's long. Holy shit. <laughs> I was like, yeah, we wrapped this chapter up like four times. Uh, they go to a grocery store and the mom's like, yeah, I don't, if there's any more trouble, you can don't, don't worry about it. just go back to school. Basically, you can basically control fire now. So no worries. But if you don't want to go, then you don't have to. Is that how you're feeling? Reluctant? And the mom's like, or Rory's just like, I guess if I'm allowed, I'll go back. But then the chapter ends with one of her friends showing up and being like, oh, it's so cool to see you. I was so worried you weren't at school. I'm so glad you're fine. Uh, and, you know, runs away and Rory's like, all right, I guess I'm headed back to school. That's it. What, what a dramatic cliffhanger. <laughs> dun, dun, dun. <laughs> Is she really going to go back to school, Austin? 
I mean, this is an incredibly understated series. I, you know, the main problem is that uh, while dry comedy is fine, it does still need to be funny, and <laughs> it's not particularly funny so far. Uh, the under, you know, the underreactions are are like you know unique because no one's going like oh, ah, ah, nani, <laughs> like at every single thing. Uh, but it. it it has to have a little bit more. It's almost the opposite of Alien Area, area where it has a unique hook, but it doesn't have all the shonen bullshit <laughs> instead of having all the shonen bullshit and no hook. Um, I will say I'm curious where they're going to go with this. So, like, do you think this little friend who shows up at the end is going to be like revealed next chapter to be like, part mermaid and the next chapter they'll meet someone who's like part Oni or like do you think it's going to be like exploring demi-human culture and like slice of life stuff or is it just going to be like – she goes to school and like it gets good grade. Like, what that is this about? Be, like, that could be actually a concept for it. I just, I don't know. Like, I think people have like brought up the term like slice of waifu with this series, where it's just like <laughs> uh-huh. I don't know. People just like that. That's like a cool girl or whatever, and then just slice of life stuff. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, if if it's just like uh, a show about or show <laughs> if a series about someone in school and she happens to have dragon horns, I don't know that I'm interested in that necessarily. But also, I, I don't think it needs to be like a, a huge lore dive. I don't think we need like yeah. 50 tra- uh, chapters of like the dragon saga to learn about the difference between dragons and Ryu in this world, <laughs> as they point out. Uh, that's also doesn't need to be what it is. But I do need to know what it's trying to convey. <laughs> Now, an important detail. This is not chapter three. This is chapter two. So next chapter is when we decide. But can I get your official word right now as mm-hmm. to whether or not you would like this to add this to the recap? So this this is tough. Like if this was my choice right now, I would say yes, because I'm curious about what actually the premise is beyond that she has horns. But I could definitely see if like next episode they don't really episode. I keep doing talking about this like TV. <laughs> if they don't introduce any like next new season, thing, yeah. yeah, next season, I could definitely see like it's it's not funny enough. Like it's it's like if it's all it's bringing is like cuteness and comedy, it's failing on the comedy. And uh, you know, you can look at girls in a lot of places. <laughs> I don't know that I need this to be my place. Yeah. So it's got right. to got to get funnier or weirder, or both. You could do both. Yeah. I do like that they talked about poop. That's always a funny thing. So, you know. <laughs> yeah, that, that's definitely a, a, a that's the source of drama. If the d- dad comes off the mountain and is just like, humans, stop pooping. <laughs> it's disgusting. I'll or, destroy or, you all. Or make your dumps more explosive like mine. <laughs> you, you have dainty poops. I want everyone to have massive poops. Yeah. Something like that would really push it over the edge for me. Yeah. Uh, all right. Let's talk about Mashal, Magic and Muzzles, Chapter 112, Mash, Burn, Dead, and the Symbol of Peace. I, look. Every we, time I come on, I'm we, ready. The funniest the funniest chapter of the week. It's got to be. My sides are ready to split. I'm holding them. Don't I, split my sides. I, <laughs> I, at this point, I am just, I'm, I'm fine with just uh, acquiescing uh, that this isn't a funny series because you've shown up three times. <laughs> And every time you show up, it's on the most dour, serious fucking chapter. From my perspective, Mashal is a series about, like, extremely powerful evil guys killing people. It has no comedy aspects. There is no cream puffs at all. I've never seen them. Uh, I read this chapter and I was like, God damn it. It really is just like the three most serious chapters, the ones I happen to be on the episodes for. 
telling you, it gets funny sometimes. Anyway, we start with sort of like a, a, an exposition about the lore of this world that no one gives a shit about. <laughs> it's just like, I don't know, the world was split into countries and they fought. Mm-hmm. And then mages with double lines showed up and they were really strong. And then someone showed up who was even stronger was Adam Jobs. The first Divine Visionary. And he basically beat everybody and he's super cool. That's why Divine Visionaries are so cool. They're an absolute symbol of power, symbol of power in this world. And the reason we get that introduction is because the next like six pages are about how the Divine Visionaries have all just been fucking owned. Like all of them have just been absolutely massacred. Uh, we see uh, Renatus basically trying to be like, no, I'm not done yet. And Doom just fucking severs his jaw and off as he bisects his face it's pretty brutal that's a really good shot yeah and renatus just uh we get a little narration that says as his consciousness faded renatus the immortal cane thought this is the first time he'd seen one with the strength to surpass a god so much (laughs) i'm hooting and hollering it's so funny i'm banging the table my eyes are popping out my tongue is unrolling like a red carpet well well (laughs) <laughs> pull it together because then they they offer the crucified bodies of the over the town to let them know all of their heroes have fallen as soon as i did see this crucified bodies i did like perk up i was like ooh, a little something for austin <laughs> a little treat for me mm. <laughs> let's see if we engage with these themes uh so the town's like holy shit like our divine visionaries have lost. Like if they can't stop them, then we're done for. And innocent zero pops up and is like, I will soon rule the world. And my first course of action will be to exterminate mankind. I will become the perfect King killing. You would ensure that none could threaten my superiority. But if you wish to live, I offer you an opportunity capture Ma- mash burned it. And it's kind of funny. Cause mash just has a very like, like plain face. So like, this is a joke. You can laugh mm. at it. <laughs> no, it is good. I'm giving I'm giving it a hard time because it's funny, but okay. honestly, it's, this isn't a bad chapter or yeah. anything. Uh, basically, it's like, hey, he's at Milia Duel's clinic. Uh, speaking of clinic, this is off topic, uh, <laughs> but I finally had to stop playing Bloodborne. I, I used to text you every time I beat a boss, uh-huh. uh, and then I fought Dark, Dark Beast Pearl, and I was just like, yeah, I just hate this. I hate every part Aww. of this. I'm sad now. <laughs> I feel bad. I wanted to engage with it more. But, uh, yeah, that camera, that camera did be a number. And I was just like, you know what? I don't feel like doing this anymore. Were you locking on? I feel like the trick to the Dark Beast Parl fight is not locking on. Probably. I think I did it twice. And I think I got closer the second time. And now it's just like, maybe I just don't like video games anymore. And I like, I put my controller down and like stared <laughs> into the middle distance. Start, started walking into a sunset. <laughs> Oh my god. You All right. Been, you haven't been rating uh chapters based on which um uh Elden Scrolls boss it is. Uh so what what's your new hyper fi- fixation that you could talk about? I uh, right now my entire life is consumed by the fact that I'm I'm traveling to Florida and seeing my family and I'm every moment is agony as I await this extremely social uh quagmire. Uh not a great time to start reading Lost or watching Lost by the way. Uh getting on a plane in a couple of days. Love to look at the charred fuselage with full of bodies and think about my upcoming plans. It starts getting nicer eventually. It's it's rough at the start, but then eventually it's all about family and shit. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> 
Uh, so Innocent Zero just continues like, hey, you have the day until the day before the eclipse. If I do not have him by then, you will experience pain beyond your wildest dreams. And as he says that, he stabs all the divine visionaries who are already crucified with spikes and their screams echo throughout the town. So the town people are like, shit. All right, let's get Nashburn dead. Uh, like someone please save us, basically. <laughs> and we do get. The one really good joke of the chapter is we cut over to uh, the little monster guy whose name I fucking hate and forget. And he's just like, boss lady, thanks for all the help. I'm going to go see if Innocent Zero is hiring. And she just karate chop punches him in the stomach and he's, I hope he's dead. <laughs> I mean, the, the the thing where the villain uh, makes everyone chase the hero, uh, a, cl- a classic trope we all love and enjoy. Um, how much of this is new information? Like, I already know Innocent Zero is the villain. I already know, like, there's a backstory of, like, Steve Jobs and stuff. Like, <laughs> is any of this really new besides the fact that er- now everyone's turning on MASH? Uh, I think the idea was, one, to give a little bit more context to Divine Visionaries to show, like, oh, wow, that's how powerful Divine Visionaries were. That was their symbol. But they've all been not just beaten, but crushed by these these uh, uh, kids of, of Innocent Zero. So it's a hype up moment for them without actually giving away what they do specifically. And then, yeah, setting up the conflict of just like go after mash essentially and they're gonna have to be some stand in the clinic to be like don't i need to finish healing mash and i presume maybe that's where somebody like finn shows up or something like that maybe this is something for the side cast to do while mash like gets ready i mean people love when you uh you beat up an established uh character with a new character to show how cool they are everyone loves the jurassic park 3 when spinosaur kills the t-rex and then we're like oh now i hate the t-rex i was such a fool to ever care about the t-rex it always works have i seen jurassic park 3 is that the one where it gets <laughs> to the town and like no no it's it literally what i was just making a joke about how to to establish the divine visionaries all getting owned was like this famously unliked moment where the t-rex who is extremely in wrestling parlance over everyone everyone loves (laughs) t-rex to make shirts are going off the shelves uh uh-huh to make the new villain spinosaurus seem cool they have him kill t-rex and no one no one liked that. They were like, wow. "This this sucks." We're, we don't believe you. Spinosaurus may have been larger, like if the fossil record indicates, but we already liked T Rex, and we're not open to this new thing. So it's a. I'm just saying, it's a risky move to be like, "Oh, those guys you thought were cool and strong, they're actually punks." This is the new cool strongness. I feel like people see that as kind of like cynical and usually react poorly to that technique. Yeah. I, I think the chapter's fun. Um, it's weird and dark. And again, it, it does pain me that yet again, Austin's on the show. And I was like, there's nary a joke in this chapter. It's it's almost biblical how unfunny this thing is. Um, but good time still. And uh, we will go towards a closing wrap up here with One Piece. Chapter 1000 and 53 new emperors so uh we get a cover page with a bunch of characters from a video game that i'm not going to play uh so if you're curious who those characters are (laughs) Uh not supposed to know play the video game and find out i guess yeah it basically looks exactly like dragon quest which i mean they they share some lineage coming from like the same era of stuff so that it makes sense but yeah it just looks 
looks like uh, uh, that series, but with one piece like pasted over all the models. Well, do they still have the bad pun names? I actually don't know. I saw this, so I, I saw this was revealed at E three, I think. So it's it's relatively new. So they this is, still do E three? No, they don't. <laughs> it, that's what people call it when you reveal a bunch of games in June. Oh, okay. <laughs> it's just at E three. It's 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 etymological drift. Is like how you know you lose the like half of the words in English are from Shakespeare, but no one knows that because we use them all. Soon, no, no one will remember why we call video game reveals an E three. Yeah. Uh, it's a piece of culture. It's just going to leave us one day. The Zoomers have taken it from us. They're going to have it. Yeah. <laughs> um, so we open with uh, a bunch of yelling basically going on like, wait, what is this picture doing here? You weren't supposed to approve this. I certain I told you to remove the D off the name, reprint it now. And we're reintroduced, not reintroduced. We just see... Uh, Big News Morgan, I believe, is the bird's name. Just a bird person. I don't know if we've ever found out they have a devil fruit. They might just be a bird person in this world. Uh, but they're going on basically like, just look at that mystical form. The last message sent out by Cypherful after the ships, after the they vanished, was it's Big's mom's ship, and I won't let them manipulate this narrative. At moments like these is when the world is in flux. The straight facts are the most interesting news there is. Nothing like good old live entertainment. And we get the announcement of uh, or the narration saying the emperors of the sea, Kaido and Big Mom, defeated. The shocking news took no time to make its way around the world. Two of the emperors who had ruled over the seas for decades toppled in a single night. And upon three pirate captains, Eustace Captain Kid, Trafalgar Law, and Monkey Day Luffy, the government placed a shocking bounty of three billion berries each. Whoa. Now, Austin... You're still new to One Piece. Uh, <laughs> bounty chapters are big for One Piece. This is where shit gets real. Um, I can't tell if you're sarcastic. I just got to the part it, of the anime where they get their first bounty, and there's a guy who smokes two cigars at the same time, and yeah, he's incredible. Smoker, and it's, it's great so good. Because in, in the four kids version, they had to edit out the cigars in his mouth, so his mouth's still open, and there's just smoke shooting out. And they're like, we can't call him Smoker either, because that's a, that's a bad thing kids can do. So they called him Chaser instead. Uh-oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. That's not going to mean what it meant back then and no. soon. Uh, uh. So, uh, <laughs> well, even then, I mean, that was still what you call an alcohol, like uh, Chaser. Oh, yeah, like, shit. Chase down a mixed drink. So it was very strange. Um, I mean, it could have been worse. You could put two things in someone's mouth and make it extremely <laughs> much more scandalous than cigars. Well, the four kids version had like infamousy or was infamous for like doing weird edits. So I like Sanji always smoking cigar or cigarettes and they replaced it with lollipops. In yeah, the four sure. Kids version. So they could have just done that, like two giant candy bars in his mouth or two giant hoagies. Just if I was a One Piece character, that would be like my gimmick because I would always have a calzone in my mouth. <laughs> you know, you say that there's actually a character uh, whose gimmick was he always had a giant piece of food on the side of his face because he was like, I was eating a hamburger and I lost half and it just stuck to the side of his face. What so, the hell? <laughs> you'll get to him eventually. Yeah, actually, where I am now is there's a guy who flicks his boogers and they explode. That's where I am. <laughs> So, normal series, regular people doing mundane stuff. Uh, but that said, to the actual question you asked, um, 
this is actually somewhat serious. Like the chapters where new bounties were revealed was has kind of become like a thing with One Piece because they usually only happen after big arcs. And it was like for a very long time, this was sort of the like climactic sort of resolving action chapter of like, oh, new bounties, the status quo in the world has been changed. Um, Three billion bounties like numbers have gotten so high now. They mean nothing, though, like I think- inflation. Yeah. Sp- supply chain. <laughs> There's look, look at Biden has done to one piece. Exactly. <laughs> um, so they all have three billion. It's a very big number. Uh, but kid does know or uh, law does know like, yeah, this is going to be trouble that <laughs> we have a bounty this big. Um, we cut over as one of the guys serving food is just like, oh, yes, I am proud to serve our esteemed guest a traditional Hosen Ryori meal worthy of a shogun as he lists all the different meals. And he says, do enjoy as he pushes out the food to an audience that is completely empty, except for Jimbei, who is the nice old man who was just like, everyone else went outside for food, but you worked so hard that <laughs> I'm going to I'm going to eat your food, basically. And I was like, oh, what a nice little guy. Good dude, Jimbei. Uh, we cut over. All the other straw hats are basically at a giant festival, eating a bunch of food. Uh, Hiori is playing music. Good for her. Cut over to a very strange scene where the Tengu, who has been like a character in this arc, I suppose, like the 89th most important character in the Wano story shows up and is like, I'm very important now, Nico Robin. It turns out I'm Odin's dad. Yes, that's right. The original fucking Shogun who was displaced and kind of caused this whole calamity to happen. I was in prison down here. And then once I got out, I didn't want to tell anybody. So... I considered killing myself, but anyway, Robin's like, hey, where's the fucking weapon? Is it here? And he's like, yes, it is. It's a very strange scene. I don't know why this character needed to be important suddenly, but there we go. There's the detail. I'm sure there's a a 38-minute lore video on YouTube about this dude and why it's super cool, but I'm not super stoked about that. You told me before we started, you're like, uh, there's a lot of lore in this One Piece chapter, so it's fine if you don't really know what's going on. And I was like, I don't know what's going on when reading it in order half the time. <laughs> so I don't know that it really matters that much. It's all kind of just... Uh, this is a big spoiler, though. Now when you get to the Wano arc six years from now and you're watching of One Piece, you're going to be like, I know that Tengu dude is the Odin's dad. It doesn't... I mean, it's not going to change anything. Yeah. <laughs> it doesn't matter. Everyone is someone's dad eventually. <laughs> it's yeah. not funny works damn that's just <laughs> truth <laughs> i said that so fucked up i meant everyone has a dad but i said everyone is someone's dad which is everyone's not true. someone's dad just think uh, about it logically uh, <laughs> uh we then cut over to the former excavation excavation camp and there's a bunch of screaming as we see uh kaido pirates impaled upon uh what looks like roots and king and queen have even been impaled, and they're, it looks like, being drained of everything as a, a very tall man just starts stomping on them. Uh, and he's just like, I warned you not to test me, right? A guy in my position can't go around getting beat by pirate subordinates. The Navy doesn't have any spare manpower to send around performing cleanup, and I, you're just who I thought you were. And uh, we see one of the roots has, like, smashed through a barrel. And is literally drinking everything inside. <laughs> As we are formally introduced to Rio. <coughs> Holy shit. Austin, save me. 
too powerful of a character. You can't handle it. He's so hot. <laughs> uh, Every chapter of One Piece is like, here's the new hottest, most powerful person. And in their backstory, they defeated the person we told you previously was the most powerful. <laughs> it, it's so. a hot off. Like King was the new hot character. And now to beat him, uh, Aramaki is now the hottest character. So, you, so to be like the new hottest character in One Piece, you have to kill the one that was hotter before you. It's power creep. Yeah. <laughs> it's all power creep. Well, do you know the gimmick of the admirals? Uh, no, I don't think so. They're all designed after Japanese actors, specifically. Oh, my God. So there is one that's... Uh, oh, my God. Uh, what's his fucking name? <laughs> Zintochi or whatever? The blind swordsman? Zatoichi. Zatoichi. There's one... I mean, he's specifically also a blind swordsman as well, but he has gravity powers, so it's different. But he is specifically lo- designed to look like the actor from it. Oh, Oda. Having I, fun with it, as usual. I like this because... Um, <laughs> It's a better style than Oda's traditional character design style nowadays. <laughs> so, uh, I like these character designs more than what he usually comes up with. Uh, so we are formally introduced to Ryo Gyoku, the Red Bull Aramaki. And uh, yeah, he gets a call that's like, hey, what the fuck are you doing? And he's just like, eh, <laughs> you did good. I'm going to that's what everyone's going to say when I bring in this kid's head, basically. And we get his little raff of rahaha. All right, <sighs> cut over to the flower capital. Uh, sorry, did I say red? I meant green bull. If I said something different, I apologize. Uh, big hero celebration going on. Red bull that gives you wings. That's a different thing altogether. Austin, why didn't you correct me? I look like a fool there. How do you not uh, know you're Japanese? <laughs> <laughs> I was just testing you. <laughs> ah, thank you. Um, Luffy's celebrating. Kid's like, I'm going to go beat him. Instead, Luffy grabs him by the head. He's like, let's celebrate. Kanpai. And there's big fireworks. And there's big celebration. Carrot's in the shot, uh, alerting the audience to the fact that she is not going to join the crew. So please give up on it. I'm sorry. You don't get a furry waifu in the crew. It doesn't happen. <laughs> you have Chopper. Deal with it. <laughs> uh, and they're like, wow, this is so cool. Uh, but then Kid is like, hey, fucking look at this. I don't know if you've heard what's happened on the outside, but this is who they're calling the four emperors now. And we get a shot of the four new emperors of One Piece. Shanks and Blackbeard, who are already members of the emperors. Luffy. And then Buggy, the genius gesture. uh, Jester, who everybody's like, all right, well, what the fuck did Buggy just do to become an emperor? Because I really want to know now. Uh, we won't get to find out about that, unfortunately. That's a detail to find out and discover somewhere down the line. But in the meantime... Exclusive to One Piece Odyssey coming to Xbox One. <laughs> there you go. Uh, Wouldn't that be fucked up? It would be extremely <laughs> fucked up if that's... They're like, we're going to start Otis like in the twilight of this 28 series, year long series run. I'm going to start introducing important plot developments in fucking Xbox 360 games or whatever the fuck it's going to come out on. Yeah, we, they get to the end and they're like, oh, we found it. The One Piece. It is actually a... And then it just cuts off and it's like, if you want to know what the One Piece is, please download One Piece Mobile <laughs> oh, for shit. Android and iOS. Uh, <laughs> I might do that. <laughs> like, if I find out what the One Piece is, I only have to spend $200? Uh, 
Oh my god. <laughs> You're the problem. It's, Di- <laughs> it's just Diablo Immortal. Did you see the, the news article? I should say news article, but Ted Cruz says he plays video games, but he just plays the ones that let him spend a shit ton of money to get stronger than everybody else. Yeah, Ted Cruz, the mobile whale. The f- just Not to psychoanalyze someone on a tiny crumb of information, but he simply cannot conceive of a world that isn't governed by money, where money is the only solution <laughs> to anything, and being rich means being more powerful just truly encapsulating him in a just a, a beautiful little bauble for us all to piss on i just like to think that he's like i don't know what everyone's complaining about diablo immortal sweet i just gave four hundred thousand dollars and my character rules ass now. i mean not even in the top 100 of terrible things about him but number one with a bullet as far as being a little toad <laughs> just truly revealing the the bootlicking mindset i love to give money to corporations I control who lives and dies. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking uh, the worst. So the chapter ends with Aravaki approaching the party saying like, well, the Navy ain't in a mood to celebrate. The world outside is one unholy mess right now. I imagine he sounds like that, like a cool guy. So that's why I gave him a cool guy voice. Does the Navy actually pay these bounties or is it at a certain point, like the economy would collapse, <laughs> right? <laughs> we had, we Someone killed two dudes. We had to give them all of our money, so we're broke. <laughs> We've just created a famine, the likes of which will erase humanity by paying off two bounties. I'm just like I this. I hope the way One Piece ends is Monkey D. Luffy gets the One Piece. He is the king of the pirates, and then like the end of the Wire, some kid d- d- does to him what happened you can't to Omar. Spoil the Wire. <laughs> I'm just saying, someone caps him and collects his bounty, and they're like, oh. Sweet. Here we go again. <laughs> the last shot is him in a morgue as uh, someone mixes up like, oh, wait, I, you're not that person going to show that person was only important in the streets. You know, uh-huh. to the rest of the world, they're just another body. <laughs> Damn. You ever think about The Wire? I, every day. I really do. That series is so good. I want to ask you, Austin, uh-huh. about One Piece because you said you're watching it. Uh-huh. And I want to get your thoughts on it because every so often you'll text me a little, a little nugget, a little detail, a little, uh-huh. a little Hershey kiss, a little, little, <laughs> little smidgen of of, of uh, info about what you think about the series. I mean, I, I, it's it's a fun adventure so far. There's a lot of like uh, idiosyncrasies to Oda's uh, whole thing that are uh, confusing or interesting. At least, I, I, one of the texts you're referring to, I was just like, damn, he hates fat people, huh? There's just like a bunch of characters who were introduced early on where like their one trait is fat and it's inherently funny. And then like later one of them gets skinny and it's just like, can you imagine if a fat person was human? Wouldn't that be wild if they were no longer fat and thus like worthwhile? And it's like, what the fuck is your problem, dude? You now understand. Can you now have a little bit of a greater context for the whole Yamato debate where you're just like, thanks, Oda, I think. Yeah, I mean, th- yeah, that's a whole other conversation. I th- so as far as I can tell, because I listen to the show and I keep up with the discourse, your show. Uh, so I know about Yamato, who seems like a cool character. It's 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 cool that, you know, he exists and such. But also, you don't need every uh, representation to be, like, quote unquote, perfect. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, it's fine if trans people exist in messy environments or, you know, not – it doesn't have to be like, oh, everyone is valid and good and everyone, hero and villain, respects you and treats you perfectly. It's more like when the authors 
views kind of bleed over. You know what I'm saying? Like Oda seems to think Yamato is cool. They, yeah. And in what I've read so far, they seem to think being fat is like a moral failing and like inherently gross. And it's not like the character's opinion. It seems like Oda's opinion, at least in what I've read so okay. far. This is strong. These are strong thoughts. I like this. Austin with big views. <laughs> There's a lot more. I sure I'm sure some uh you know more complex characters show up who are heavier later. Maybe it's not as gross. That was just the thing that I noticed also just like there's this whole build up to uh you know in the Arlong Park arc where the the villain has terrible to Nami and you think Nami's going to get to fight him and then she just doesn't. Like someone else gets revenge I guess on him. I don't know. It's just weird and then you're like yeah w- women characters is a uh, you know, a complex, problematic thing in One Piece. And it's like, obviously it rocks. Like, uh, I'm nitpicking because there are only so many, so many ways to say, like, it's cool when the, the funny characters are fun and do fights. And it's, you know, there's more to talk about when you're talking about little nitpicks and negatives. But I do like it. But There you go. I'm, I'm excited to keep hearing your thoughts. You're coming up on Alabasta, which is sort of like, um, Arlong Park is where everybody tends to be like, all right, that's where One Piece becomes amazing. And mm-hmm. the next time it happens, people say is Alabasta. And that's where shit gets pretty real. Because that's the first, like, major, I guess, saga to One Piece. Where there's, like, several arcs that are kind of slow build-ups. And you're you're coming up on Chopper soon. Drum Island, I think. That's exciting. I know. It's a little guy. Yeah. Oh, and when you see the old lady from that arc, uh, imag- imagine Jamie Curtis maybe playing her. Oh, fuck. Yeah, they're doing a... A live action movie. If it survives long, live action TV series. How dare you? Netflix oh. is gonna put a lot of money into this for it to probably get canceled just as quickly as Cowboy Bebop did. But they're gonna do it. <sighs> Yikes! Yeah, I saw the photos of like the sets and stuff. They like actually built the 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 rope the the restaurant and Bra- uh, yeah yeah yeah. So I mean they're trying, uh, which is more than I can say about the Cowboy Bebop show, which did not seem like they were trying particularly Does hard. It- does it hurt you at all in your soul to know that I've seen more of the Cowboy Bebop reboot than Cowboy Bebop? <laughs> when I was younger, that would hurt me. Now I'm just like, it's your life. You do whatever you want. It's <laughs> like the Cowboy Bebop was good. But like, I don't think you're like living a lesser life from not having seen it. <laughs> it's just like good. It's, you know, whatever. We actually we started the the you know Netflix reboot live action reboot and uh, my partner was just like can we turn this off like this is bad and gr- like in a way that no other thing we ever watched like we've watched some fucking garbage together uh, that, this is like the one time where she's like I can't handle how bad this is <laughs> You're like anything else please I'll sit in silence <laughs> it's <laughs> it really, the other option it it was a bad time all right so we're about to wrap up. However, I thought Nick's not here, so we need to do whatever the fuck we want. So I wanted to really quickly talk about Jujutsu Kaisen, which we can't talk about on the show because Nick watches it, and he's like, it's a very precious thing I, I share with my significant other, and I'm like, fine, you fucking nerd, but people want us to talk about it. So I was going to talk about the newest chapter of Jujutsu Kaisen, uh, chapter 188, Tokyo, number two, Colony, part seven, but it's so hard to talk about because they're in the middle of a battle in the middle of a giant arc, which is the part of a larger saga to which I don't have the context for, and it's Jujutsu Kaisen, so I think the main the current character's power is something gotcha based like he he does like gotcha pulls and it gives him better luck or some shit like that it's fucking wild i can't explain it 
<laughs> it's dope though. Uh, yeah, I, I, I may, I've been meaning to get around to Jujutsu Kaisen. It's supposed to be good, obviously, and there's an anime out. We'll, we'll maybe after Lost and uh, Severance, we'll get to that. Oh. But isn't isn't that also a series where someone has a weird hand? I feel uh, like he eats fingers. He eats... <laughs> <laughs> his hand, his hand is fine. He eats the fingers of a bad guy, and the fingers are full of power. And eating those fingers makes him more evil. Okay. I was earlier when I was thinking about uh, Alien Area and Parasite, which are series about people with weird hands. I was like, isn't there another one? And then, yeah, I just, I, for some reason, I thought well, Jujutsu Kaisen was also a weird hand series. Well, there's, it's actually kind of like a thing uh, in manga in general, in shonen manga, like the character kind of a lot of time has punch powers because that's a way to show a lot of violence that isn't like obscenely graphic like if your character just shoots a sword all the time they have to fight monsters something like that otherwise mm-hmm. you're people's faces off but characters have punch powers all the time luffy has punch powers goku generally punched people uh itadori's special ability is punching people basically like it's it's a thing in in many series basically of like characters having like fist-based uh kind of fighting styles so yeah, I was thinking about that the other day because like the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles always fought like robots so they could cut them and it wouldn't be like gory or anything. Um, and I was thinking about this specifically because I watched a, an Indian movie called RRR uh, where the heroes kill so many British people uh, that it, it would be like horrifying if they weren't treated like inhumanly. Like the way the movie frames British people as, as if they are non-human and it was hilarious. <laughs> I mean, they definitely deserved it, <laughs> if you know anything about the history of uh, British co- colonialization in India. But I was like, they, the, the white people in this movie are essentially soulless robots who exist to be butchered. And it's funny. Like, it's not a horror movie. And uh, so if, if, if punch powers is what gets us there, I can see you have to frame it as like, the violence is fun. It's not scary. Yeah. All right. Well, we're going to wrap this up now. Uh, unless you want to just talk about Magic the Gathering for like 20 minutes. I mean, Double Master spoilers are happening right now. I don't really need uh, an Imperial Seal, so I don't know how you're feeling about any of these reprints. Uh, uh, I don't really... At this point, I'm like, if I make a deck, I'm either just going to trade up my stuff to get it, or just do proxies, because I, I, I've come to the point where I give very little shits anymore. Nice. Uh, the only thought I had was like, do I ever want to draft this set? Because this is going to be like a fucking $40 draft. <laughs> oh, it's going to be incredibly expensive. And then, yeah. And then to like fucking just open up fucking. I forget what I saw. There there were some, definitely some like dog shit rares. And I'd be so angry. I paid like $12 for a pack. And my fucking rare is just like Deathbringer Liege. <laughs> yeah, they're reprinting the whole Liege cycle from uh, Shadow Moore, Lorwyn. And those are all like dollar cards. In At your... rare. At rare, by the way. In your two hundred and fifty dollar box or something, um, but yeah, it's basically a lottery. Uh, it's a lottery set. Either you get like mana drain and you make money, or you don't and you lose money. Uh, and get fucked. I, I am simply not about that life. I don't draft in paper. I'll only on arena where I don't pay for it. Uh, in paper, I really only play commander, and so I don't think I, I need any of these cards. If they reprint solitude. If you know from the the modern master set, I would like one of those. See, that but... seems like a good thing to reprint. Um, but how about Fire Song and Sunspeaker? <laughs> yeah, they're reprinting a bunch of pre-con commanders like Fire Song and Sunspeaker and uh, uh, Gave, the Spore guy and stuff. And it's like, 
Yeah, I guess there wasn't any other way to get them besides the pre-cons. That makes sense, but I don't think they're worth anything. Yeah. Uh, someone, by the way, in the chat is asking about the Warhammer 40k cards, which I am super stoked about. For anybody who's uh, curious, uh, Magic the Gathering has started up a new line, I guess, called like Worlds Beyond, which is the idea that they will create products based around properties they don't own. It's not part of the Magic universe, doesn't connect to it anyway. It's just, hey... You like Walking Dead? Here's Walking Dead cards. They did it with Secret Layers, but now it's going to be full-on products, starting with a Magic to get or a Warhammer 40k set of Commander decks, and there's going to be a full Lord of the Rings like playable set of Magic cards. I think next year. Uh, but what makes me so excited for this is that they're getting the 40k decks, but there's going to be a Secret Layer for Blood Bowl cards, and I'm so fucking stoked for that. <laughs> I just want the dumbest fucking bullshit cards. <laughs> We've discovered it orcs with their heads exploding as a football rolls past because that's all Blood Bowl should be. Yep. Yeah. And that's, it's a, a lot of people are mad about like sullying the brand with other IP. But I mean, Magic is just kind of a bunch of different games wearing the same trench coat and you can play any one of those if you want. You can just just play Modern, just play Commander, just yeah. play Warhammer 40k <laughs> pre-cons. Uh, you get to have the same the fun, but however you want. So And, and the idea is that any mechanically unique cards they make for these different properties, they intend to. It's uh, Hasbro, so unfortunately some things happen when they want to. But they're mm-hmm. going to create a setting agnostic version of that character. So if they print, you know, fucking, you know, Abaddon the Destroyer or whatever, or, you know, Corn the Blood God, they're going to be like, all right, well, there's also Schmiggle Poop from <laughs> Ixalan and <laughs> does the same thing. Yeah, they did that with the Stranger Things cards. Um, so, the, yeah, they, they have followed through on that so far. Well, now, we'll see. It is still worth noting there were mechanically unique cards that were made for the uh, Walking Dead one, and that hasn't come out yet. If you want yeah. one of those cards, you have to get the Walking Dead secret layer, which you can't get anymore, so you have to buy it secondhand market. It's not a where, great system sometimes. Where's my generic Rick? Yeah. I need Rick, <laughs> steadfast leader, but in the magic setting, $50 for that card, my word. Yeah. Well, it was when the only way to get it was to pay $60 or however much the first secret layer was. It's brutal. Just just do meth. Don't fuck with magic. You don't need this in your life. <laughs> it really gets bad. If, if you have money, just spend it on drugs. Be normal. All right. <laughs> with that said, let's get to the MVP and chapter of the week for this week. Austin, what was your favorite series and MVP this week? Uh, I think it's a pretty easy. I feel like the uh, the best chapter, I mean, obviously, we agreed earlier it was Duran, Duran, and Ron, Ron. Yep. But Duran, Duran, Ron, Ron. <laughs> that was more of a show pick, you know. My, my personal pick, I actually think, uh, and this surprised even me, Blue Box was my favorite chapter of the week. Wow. I think it uh, set out to do a specific thing and nothing else, and it nailed it. It had like a focus and a flow to it. Uh, which I had just earlier described as like almost poetic. And uh, I think that was the best expression of any one idea that any of the, the chapters did. So okay. that's that's definitely my chapter of the week. That's pretty awesome. Uh, what's your character of the week? Because I'm just going to go through everything afterwards. Oh, I mean, uh, so we had a long conversation about the uh, Kane Banashi uh, the, the uh, accent thing. Mm-hmm. And I have to be honest that the thing I'm most interested about is like where Hikaru's character is going to go. That's the the lady who was pretending like she was a city girl. Hikaru Koragi. I just looked it up. Ooh, 
look at you doing research. <laughs> so my character, like the one I am genuinely most interested in following, is is her. Is she going to be a villain who's like uh, driven by resentment about how she's treated? Is she going to learn that actually her accent's cute? <laughs> As Akane said, Akane, a woman of taste, yes. under, understands that an accent is is cute and good, and not to hide it. Uh, I mean, I would give it to Akane every week, honestly. I got to mix it up and say, <laughs> got to say Hikaru for me. Uh, all right. I'm going to give my uh, ch- character of the week. I'm going to give to Aramaki uh, from One Piece. I am such a whore for when Oda introduces a cool new big character. And this is kind of like the last big surprise in One Piece was like we didn't know the identity of the Fifth Admiral just been teased and now we get to see the design and everything like that and it's pretty cool so I, I really liked Aramaki a lot um, for my chapter of the week I think I'm gonna give it to uh, I think I'm gonna give it to Akani Banashi. This is like a real. Actually, you know what? You know what? Oh, swerve! They were reaching out for the trophy, and he snatched it away. I'm gonna give it to Mashal. It may not have been funny, but it was kind of dope. Oh my god! You can't take it from me. Uh, I really, I'm, I'm struggling to think if there's like one chapter that really kind of stood out this week. It was probably one of the ones you didn't let me read. It was my year. It was amazing. <laughs> if only we could have talked about it. G- Jiro got her tits out. <laughs> Actually, <laughs> I'm not allowed oh, to read sorry, it. what? <laughs> I'm going to give it to... Uh, I get you. Yeah, fuck it. It's my show. I can do whatever I want. Put Ninja, put Jujutsu Kaisen in there. I'm giving it a chapter of the week. It was the best chapter I probably read in the bunch. I just couldn't explain it very well. Uh, Somewhere in, in Nick just feels that something has gone wrong. <laughs> <laughs> he just gets a sinking feeling. Like, oh, his back uh, spasms. Um, Nick picked uh, Undead Unluck for his chapter of the week, and then Taiki from Blue Box as his character of the week. And the audience picked One Piece as their chapter of the week, and Buggy from One Piece, who is not actually in Hell the chapter, yeah. is just referred to in the chapter as the character of the week because everybody's so stoked to find out what Buggy's doing. That's a Chad move by the audience, picking Sir not appearing in this film. <laughs> <laughs> that rocks. So that is going to do it. Uh, so we got to do the rundown, which I don't have memorized, so I'm just going to be fucking loosey-goosey in this. Uh Thank you, everybody, for watching Weekly Manga Recap this week. We record every episode every Wednesday at 7.30, 8 o'clock Eastern, right here at twitch.tv slash RoloT. If you would like to follow our host, you can follow me at RoloT, and you can follow Austin at Austin Yorsky. Very easy to find. Austin Yorsky everywhere. Patreon.com Austin Yorsky is where the show Dice Funk lives. I'm on it. You're usually on it. <laughs> Not this moment, but most of the time. Maybe statistically. one day. Maybe one yeah. day. Uh, not if I have a choice. Uh, <laughs> um, also, uh, he is not on this episode, but Nick will be back next week. So also make sure to follow Nick F Nick F time on Twitter as well to follow his thoughts. Uh, I want to give a special thanks to all the amazing people who make this show possible. Uh, the new frame that you were seeing around this episode was, uh, made by, uh, Molderman in our discord, which I highly recommend you go check out guys. Our discord is an absolutely, um, you know, it's a phenomenal thing. Uh, and I, I want to say this just truthfully, um, getting to know the community in our discord 
has been the greatest joy that this podcast has given me. So I want to thank you guys. I, actually, no, wait, sorry. I used some of the money you guys have sent me to take a ride on a video motorcycle. So actually, that was the greatest thing. <laughs> Allergic to earnestness. <laughs> Cannot be vulnerable. <laughs> true story. Uh-huh. I had a dream and told this joke in it. And I woke up and wrote it down. Because I was like, gotta use it in real life. It made me laugh so much. You're such a dirtbag. <laughs> I, I had dreams about doing it. I don't know why it made me laugh so much. I don't know what a video motorcycle is. Like, not, not even I took a ride on a regular motorcycle. Like, a virtual. Yeah, I just took your word for it that that meant something. I was like, oh, I've never heard of that. <laughs> I think that's the dream part where I was just like, what the fuck? It's a video motorcycle, but it sounded cool until I thought about it. And I was like, just makes me like it hard. Um, but I want to thank Molderman from our Discord uh, for creating this. I also have one next week uh, that I'm going to start using with Wednesdaydale Chatter. I just need Nick actually around to format the screen a little bit better. But you might see some of these popping in and out just as a special thanks uh, for both of these for being created. I also would like to thank Wednesdaydale Cheddar for creating the animated intro along with Mac- Milo Jack Stillitz to see at the front of all these videos. Uh, I'd like to thank Steve Mann, our title card artist. You can find his work at Steve Mann Art on Twitter and also where boobs are allowed to be drawn on the internet. Uh, and a big thanks to Ninja X3i for maintaining the Google Doc that we use to rank all of the series, get everybody's MVPs, get our recommendations. All of that great stuff is excellent and greatly enjoyed. So thank you all for your very strong work. And I'd like to thank you, Austin, for coming on this show so I didn't have to sit here all alone talking to myself in a room again. It's my pleasure. And people say that all the time, but I actually mean it. This is fun. I like having, I like having a, a space to derail your show, just uh, commit Nick to reading series, whether he likes it or not. Um, he has no choice. He, he's going to come back. He's going to be like, God damn it, Austin. If you need a tiebreaker for uh, Ruri Dragon, yes, continue reading it. No, no. <laughs> uh, I don't know. Who knows? What could happen? It could be fun. Austin might come back next week. Who knows? Uh, whenever you need me. It's, it's... Well, you can't next week, right? You're actually not available. <laughs> Fuck. I just, you've proven me a liar in front of everyone. <laughs> now, this would be very funny if I traveled to Florida to meet my my nephew for the first time. My sister had a baby. That's why I'm leaving. And I'm like, Sh- shut that fucking baby up. I have to talk about Mongo on the internet. <laughs> I have to guest on a podcast. <laughs> they need to know what I think about the new chapter. Not even that it's your podcast, that you have to guest on somebody else's podcast. That's what's very funny to me. Yeah, yeah. The miracle of life, the family, blah, blah, blah. But we're what's going to happen? And <laughs> Undead on look. We're talking about another serious chapter of Mashal. Shut that baby's pile. <laughs> All right. Thank you for having me. Thank you, everyone, for listening. And uh, so I'll see you next time. Yep. That's Austin signing off. Ha, 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 ha.